Hello everyone, welcome to NFL Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest stakes from around the NFL. I'm Corbin Weinerman, joined by, as always, Perry Aston and Christian McGowan. Guys, say hello. Yeah, what's going on, guys? Hey, hope you guys are having a great day. We got a very special episode for you guys today, on top of it being our final mock draft before the actual NFL draft, which I know we're all excited it's for. draft week, guys. We're so excited, we're so excited to do this episode, we're actually giving you a special car cast edition of our podcast. We're literally recording in my car, so it's going to be very fun. But uh, before we get into the actual episode, we just want to remind you guys to follow us on Twitter at NFL Unwrapped. You can follow me, Corbin, on Twitter at CorbinMRPK, Perry on Twitter at Perry Aston, and Christian on Twitter at McGowan75. While you're on Twitter, also remember to Make sure that you have our notifications turned on so that whenever we do send out a tweet, you guys are the first ones to know. Like we've said before, we beat out a lot of the top NFL personalities, the different tweets. We One of us is always awake, whether it's Perry, Christian, or myself, just because we all have different work and school schedules. So one of us is always on Twitter, and we guarantee you that if you're following us, you don't need to be following any other NFL Twitter pages because you will get all the news you need and then some by following us. So yeah, guys. yeah, make sure to turn on notifications for us. Also remember to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud and also through the Apple iTunes podcast app. While you're on the Apple iTunes podcast app, if you do enjoy our podcast, please make sure to give us a five-star review. And if you don't, then uh, it's yeah. okay. I mean, you can still give us some constructive criticism, criticism if you would like, but a five-star review is really appreciated. So. Yeah, guys, thank you so much to anyone that's already taken the time to go uh, le- leave us a review or at least just hit us with a five-star, so thank you guys. But let's just jump right in. I know it's draft week right now, so you know everyone's going crazy with their mocks and you know, everybody's tinkering now and switching last minute things, which is exactly what we did. So we're here to deliver that to you guys. I know it's been a little bit since we put one out. It's been some busy times for us as well. Uh, but we did leak my two round mock draft that I put together for you guys on our Twitter page. Uh, I know I stay up all night um, looking at mock drafts sometimes. So we put one out uh, on us so that you guys can at least check it out. Uh, it's picks one through 64. It's at least what I think is going to happen. Of course, I'm no guru, but uh, definitely it's... An educated guess. I mean, at, you, you, I would, got, you got more knowledge. I would than, say I'm, I'm pretty good, so I'm going to eat some humble pie. But go take a look <laughs> at it. If it's awful, you just let me know. Just hit me in my DMs. They're wide open for you guys. But take a look at that on our Twitter. But let's jump right in right now to our final mock well, draft. For, re- really uh, quickly, for the draft. Though, just, just one cool thing that happened with the NFL and my team, the Packers in particular, with Aaron Rodgers buying into some ownership of the Milwaukee Bucks, which definitely... He became the uh, first first player to buy ownership in any professional sports team in the same market that he plays in while he's still playing there. So, so that, that was the most elaborate stat ever. Just the first player in Wisconsin while no, 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 having no, no. The cheese first, the in first. his apartment to <laughs> apply to a team in the same market. It's just a cool <laughs> thing that also tells you that speculation that I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast before about yeah, Aaron Rodgers being reportedly unhappy in Green Bay, but right. him buying ownership there, it definitely makes you think that he's more likely to stay, even though it yeah. was never really a possibility. I mean, if you're going to leave Wisconsin, being... there's no reason to put some money into a team exactly. in Milwaukee, so it makes sense. And I mean, the Packers have been able to keep franchising him anyways, but right. I just want to be one of the first people as an owner of a professional sports franchise myself, I want to welcome Aaron Rodgers into the family. It's something that 
him and I now share in common. And uh, dude, you act like he just got drafted. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah, Sean Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, jump right into our mock draft 3.0. Christian, I want you to start this one off for us. Let's. I just want to hear what who you think is going to go number one to the Browns. I know the Browns got a ton of picks, and at least in the first 64 picks for the first two rounds, they're going to be extremely active. Uh, but I wanted to hear how you're starting off your draft. So at number one, now that the combines kind of settled down and physical numbers aren't wowing us because we haven't seen them uh, in our face in a couple weeks, I think number one, they go Sam Darnold with the pick. Uh, uh-huh. I was originally feeling Saquon Barkley at number one uh, a couple weeks. The last two mock drafts, I'm pretty sure I had Saquon at number one. But um, this isn't me choosing. This is just what I think is going to happen. And from what I've been hearing, I feel that Sam Darnold's going to go number one. He's the most talented QB in this class. And uh, from all the reports we've been hearing, uh, they really like Darnold at number one. I think it was very nice of them to say that they're still considering Baker Mayfield for number <laughs> one. That was a nice little headline they gave ESPN to talk about today. But I don't think that – I mean, it is the Browns. You never know. They could screw up and take him number one. But I think Sam Darnold's a clear-cut choice here at number one. What do you think, Perry? I mean, I think if you go Baker Mayfield, if you're the Browns, I think it makes a little bit more sense to me if you go with somebody else at number one and go with him at number four. If you waste the first round or first pick of the entire draft on Baker Mayfield, I'm not saying that he might not be worthy of that pick with how he plays because he's a competitor and I love Baker Mayfield and how he plays the game. It's just, I clearly, everybody that, you know, studies the draft, you know, personnel around the league, you haven't heard Baker Mayfield number one very often unless someone's trying to just be bold. It's really been a toss up between Sam Darnold and then people who are picking Josh Allen just strictly from his freakish body and his freakish arm strength and the fact that, you know, some NFL personnel are falling deeply in love with what could be for him, but of course it's not even close to there right now. But I think everyone sees that I think Baker Mayfield's right there at ready to play right now and Josh Allen's the complete end of the other end of the spectrum I think Sam Donald's right there in between I don't think he's ready to play right this second but if he does I don't think he's going to make as much of a mess as Josh Allen would uh, I think that Donald's got a little bit I think he's too hard to pass up for me I really it's very appealing I go Sam Donald also I agree with you and if not, I still think they go quarterback elsewhere, or sorry, uh, another quarterback for their number one pick. I don't think that they let, um, you know, the Giants at two and the Jets at three get their pick of the litter while, of course, all these crazy trade scenarios coming up. You know, by the time the Browns wait at number four, you know, they might get their fourth, you know, selection at quarterback. Who knows? I think that they're sick and tired of, you know, throwing, you know, shooting fish in a barrel. And now they got Tyrod Taylor, so they don't feel the pressure. But Sam Donald's their guy. I think that's how it goes. Corbin? How weird is it that me, the one person out of the three of us that goes to USC, is the only one that doesn't have Sam Darnold going number one? I have Saquon Barkley going number one. I I flip-flopped back and forth between Barkley and Sam Darnold I don't know how many times, and depending on who goes number one, that would severely change a lot of things in this draft. But I think that if the Browns were to go with Darnold number one, then I think they'd still have a great choice at number four with either either Bradley Chubb or Saquon Barkley would be available at number four because we all know that regardless of who's chosen number one and number two, the Jets are taking a quarterback. They moved up to number three to get a quarterback. But with that said, I just... Maybe part of it was just for argument's sake to be able to talk a little bit more with you guys about it, but I just really think that Saquon Barkley, just how special of a running back he is, it's just... 
how can you how can you let how can you pass that up when there isn't one quarterback that really wows you? I think you guys will agree, even though you have Darnold going one, he isn't like the I mean, just, best quarterback just like to Christian come out said, of. It's not like what he would pick; it's kind right. of just what he thinks is going to happen realistically. And I totally agree. I think this is just inevitable, and in what everyone else is saying is going to happen, what everyone else thinks is going to happen. I think he passed up throwing on the combine because he was so confident in the fact that he thought he was already going to be the number one pick. So it's not like last year where, you know, everybody knew who the Browns were taking. Everybody knew that it was going to be Miles Garrett. And it wasn't even a question if they fumbled that choice. It was, what are you doing? You know, that's just anyone and everyone knows who this is right now. I think everyone knows they need a quarterback. And I think it's, it's really causing them an issue having to sit here and pick between, you know, a quarterbacks, but that aren't none of them that step out and say, wow, this is Andrew Luck coming in. It's just hopefully he can stay healthy. But I felt like when Andrew Luck came in and guys like this, it was the Messiah. And exactly. Whoever else, you know, who has even been as good as this in the last decade, two, three decades, who knows if he can, you know, clear his concussions, this dude's going to be God. You know, I haven't heard anything close to that about any of these quarterbacks. It's just who's better than who. And that's why. That's why my thinking with Saquon Barkley, who is kind of the Andrew Luck prospect of running backs, how yeah, do you let crazy. that go? So yeah. it's different lines of thought. Again, this is something where it wouldn't surprise me if the Browns go with Darnold or with Saquon Barkley. I just think that with Darnold also, you guys might laugh at the hand size thing, but I mean, he does have kind of smaller hands. He's, He's had little, fumbling little issues. It's just something to at least have in the back of your mind if you're Browns management. Do I really want to take... A quarterback number one who's had fumbling issues in really nice weather, and now he's going to have to go play in yeah, I mean, Cleveland want, half of the year. So, do I want a guy with tiny hands? Is kind of the question that they have to <laughs> ask themselves. Hands are <laughs> what's, what's the website, Christian? Yeah, Draft Josh Allen. That's right, uh, Christian. Let's hear number two to the Giants. Uh, who do you got? So, uh, number two. Uh, I don't think that you pass up on Josh Rosen. Uh, I hate UCLA, just like Corbin, but um, <laughs> I think that Josh Rosen, he, I don't think he has the, uh, we, we talked about this before in other pods, but he doesn't have the ceiling, I believe, as Sam Donald, but he can play right away. So um, I think quarterback is, uh, I would have, like we said, this is what I think is going to happen. And I think three quarterbacks, one, two, and three are all going to be quarterbacks. So, the next best quarterback in my line available is Josh Rosen, and that's who's going to get selected at number two. I see your line of thought. Uh, I think for the Giants, uh, on my mock that I released out to Twitter, you'll see that for the Giants, that was my first one that I had in parentheses. I said possible trade-back scenario. Uh, I said possible trade-back scenario because I'm not as confident on one, for example, like the Colts, who I, I, I put 100% sure that they're going to trade back because I am 100% sure that they are going to do that and gain more assets. The Giants, I, you know, at number two, maybe their guy's there. Maybe they realize they can still get that guy at number five. I think they're going to move back a bit because what I did, something I'm going to start off this pod with, I saw from a ton of NFL personnel, every a bunch of quotes that GMs right now are valuing rounds two through four more than they have in any other past draft within the last decade. They're saying this is the deepest draft that they can remember. And they're saying that the talent is there. And it's not like a, a, a top heavy draft where after the first round, you don't know anybody who's going to be in the second, third, or fourth round, except for the exception of a couple names that happen to just fall, but they're still pretty big household names. This is a, you know, a draft that GMs feel confident that they can go get their guy at cornerback on round three or running back or whatever that position may be. And not just their guy to fill in that spot, like their guy of the future. 
And of course, I'm not talking top five picks here because top five picks are top five picks for a reason. But I think people here are willing to trade back and take less compensation than they have in the past in regards to rounds. Like they're not going to force you to give up, you know, two first rounders, two second rounders just to move up in the first round. I saw that people don't don't tell the Jets that. Oh, totally. I'm I'm just saying that. Oh, I'm just saying (laughs) that they're more willing to add in, you know, additional second round picks, additional third round picks. And they might've been in past years because they think that it's so loaded all the way through. And that's something that was extremely, you're talking about additional seconds or thirds as opposed to additional firsts. Right. right? I mean, we have to give out additional first for 20, 2019 or 2020 you you have to be sure that that's your guy you know the texans deshaun watson for example they were sure and that's why the browns are in such a beautiful position right now because of the texans uh but yeah i just i see the giants moving back picking up on the wave of going around the league right now and seeing how much value they can get when at number two i don't really don't think they're madly in love with anybody that's there for you know positional i think they're still on the eli manning train so they go saquon barkley number two for me because just like corbin said he's a crazy athlete he's the best running back in this class by far he's best best running best athlete in this i don't know how yeah best athlete in this class by far uh yeah the giants go running back i mean they signed jonathan stewart and they have you know guys like that but no one that's going to completely change their franchise and with eli manning's time running out at some point they got to look for their guy if that may be the running game again or the passing game it's got to be Saquon Barkley in my opinion Corbin yeah I think that if the Browns were to go with Darnold at number one or anyone else just if Barkley's available I think the Giants would have a really tough time passing him up you mentioned they signed Jonathan Stewart I'm not a big fan of him he hasn't been the same running back since he ruptured his Achilles and I won't go into Achilles injuries more, but <laughs> you're not even an athlete anymore once you tear your Achilles, according to Christian. You now or whatever your last Christian job or according was. To me. Sorry, according to Corbin. But yeah, no. Uh, but I, yeah, I so uh, the Giants, uh, though. So in my mock, I have the Browns taking Barkley at number one. So at number two, I have the Giants going with Sam Darnold. I could also see them maybe going with an edge rusher and Bradley Chubb, but you're picking this high. If you're the Giants, you're one of the marquee franchises in the league. You hope that you're not picking this high for a very long time so when you are picking this high get your quarterback for the future Sam Darnold I think would be a great fit with the Giants being able to sit behind Eli Manning whether it's for one year two years um, and just be able to you don't want him to learn everything from Eli Manning because turnovers has been a problem for Darnold and it's been a turn been a problem for Eli Manning and the pros but just to be able to learn the system and learn how to just be a complete quarterback, which he has all the traits necessary to be one, and I think um, he's in a really good situation if he lands the Giants at number two. So let's move on to number three, the New York Jets. Christian, who's your pick? Uh, So like we said earlier, this isn't who I would pick. This is who I think is going to get picked. And from all of the reports that I've been seeing, Baker Mayfield, number three to the Jets. I think he'll be a fun quarterback. Um, Obviously, like... Every, of the five quarterbacks that are probably going to get selected, four of them are probably going to be busts. And I think that Baker Mayfield will probably be one of those busts. I hope not. But number three is really high for him. I wouldn't draft him that high. But he is fun. He's not a bad guy. He's a fun quarterback. He'll pack your seats for the first couple first couple games until they tank out and bottom out the 0-3 again. But, um, yeah, I, 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 all the reports are saying that they love Mayfield. Uh, I think that's the, the clear match just from reports. Uh, they need a quarterback. And in my mock, if Darnold and Rosen are both gone, 
uh, Mayfield is the next highest quarterback in terms of play readiness. So uh, unless they, for some reason, are enamored with Josh Allen, uh, just like I am, uh, <laughs> then he'll be number three. But from all the reports that we've been seeing, I don't see them going any other way but Baker Mayfield. Yeah, you, you, see, you see, I totally agree with you. I got Baker Mayfield at number three to the Jets also. Just because of all the reports going on right now, I see that the Jets are 100%. What I've read was that people who like Baker Mayfield love Baker Mayfield. And if they don't, they're they're kind of good on it. But I saw that the teams that really are interested are all in kind of thing, trying to make this happen. And I think the Cardinals are that team too. I've heard a lot of reports about them trying to trade up as high as three to uh you know get to the Jets pick or you know even number or sorry number, number two, two to, to leapfrog the Jets pick is what I meant. Uh but yeah I think I know you said that Josh Rosen gets picked and Darnold gets picked so that's why you know this is the third quarterback left. He's my second quarterback taken because I got Barkley at number two. So Baker Mayfield goes to number three. Rosen's still on the board just because I seen the Jets really think that's their guy and the Jets need a play now kind of quarterback I don't think the Jets are in a position to season a quarterback for a year or two and just nonchalantly do it Baker Mayfield's the kind of guy that can come in and try and save this New York Jets franchise and I think it's a good market for him too yeah I agree with both of you I think I'm going with Baker Mayfield at number three the Jets again just like Christian you were talking about and Perry like you've mentioned too this is what I think is going to happen. If I'm the Jets at number three and Josh Rosen's available, there's no way I pick Baker Mayfield over Josh Rosen. But with all the reports coming out about the Jets, we know that they're taking a quarterback. There's been reports that they're not, they have stopped meeting, or they stopped meeting a while ago with any non high prospect quarterbacks, any high prospects that are not quarterbacks. So, it's definitely a quarterback, and Baker Mayfield, just with everything that we're hearing, I think it's got to be Baker Mayfield. Again, I think that that's really high to take him. I think Baker Mayfield's a great story. I love him coming into Oklahoma and being a walk-on to start to going to a Heisman winner, and now he Well, here's that Texas Tech before that. Also right. a walk-on and right. a freshman player of the year. Right, and it's just incredible what he's been able to do with how everyone is just either he's fallen through the cracks or people just haven't been evaluating him correctly and maybe it'll continue where a lot of people not the jets but it seems like a lot of people there baker mayfield's like the most tantalizing prospect in the sense that there's a big divide as far as if he's going to be good or if there's not a lot of other of these high prospects a lot of people think okay the, this prospect's going to be good in the nfl but you ask people if Baker Mayfield's going to be good, you're going to get about half of the response, yeah, he's going to be a great quarterback. And then another half of the people responding is saying he's just too short, he isn't going to be able to make all the throws, um, his mobility has come into question, even though in college he was a mobile quarterback, it's just because of how he tested at the combine, he didn't I really, run a great I really forty times. He's so similar to Russell Wilson. I hate to really I, make a comparison, but it's just hard not to when a guy is mobile and undersized, but just a proven leader and a guy but he that's just under you know everybody just doubts him kind of thing, and he's just totally down with that, and wants to come and prove everybody wrong. It seems like such a similar situation to me. I agree that. He's someone who has really good leadership qualities, just like Russell Wilson, and someone who wants to come in and obviously prove everyone wrong and has a huge chip on his shoulder. But the 
mobility difference between Baker Mayfield and Russell I'm not Wilson. Saying they're exact players. Well, I just I don't think it's even that close. I think it was mainly can't... the size and okay. the fact that they're proven winners, but people still doubt them, kind of thing. It's a similar situation coming out of college where. You know, Russell Wilson had to transfer as well in college, but regardless where he was, he wanted he was the best player on that team. So right. regardless who was undersized, I think Baker Mayfield's gonna come in and show something similar. But uh Christian, I wanna hear who you got for number four to the Browns. So uh at number four, I think this is what I think the Browns their thinking is that they can get Donald at number one and then get Saquon at number four. Because just with my, my reasoning at Joshua's at number two, I don't think the Giants are going to be this bad again. Hopefully not. Um, so they're going to get their quarterback now. Um, so now that the three quarterbacks are taken, you start going into other positions. Saquon Barkley, uh, a couple weeks ago, I know me and Corbin had him at number one. So he's the next best player available off the board. He's a transcendent runner for every, every good thing you can think about for running back he has. If he's available at four, you get him. Uh, I think this is, from, like we said, this is what I think is going to happen. From the reports, I think they're going to take a quarterback number one, and they're going to get Saquon at number four. I know there's some reports coming out saying that they were thinking about taking a quarterback at one and four. Um, that would be very Browns of them to do, but I don't think that that is actually going to happen. Uh, if they can get Donald and Saquon Barkley, uh, maybe one of the best draft classes they've ever had, Tom will only tell. Because uh, they could just be bus, <laughs> and then this will be the worst draft I've ever had. But Saquon Barkley, number four. What about you, Perry? Well, I mean, I see what you mean about Saquon. He's just already gone for me. I got him at number two. The Giants don't pass that up. The Browns take Bradley Chubb here for me in my mock draft and make one of the craziest pass rushing duos, yeah. at least in terms of for the future. Maybe not this season, but. When these guys develop, if you if you look at this team in three years, if you put these guys on the same team, they're going to be the best pass rushing duo in the league by far. And that's if they're still getting better and better and better. So having Bradley Chubb right there with Miles Garrett is going to cause havoc for any offensive line. It's going to cause all types of mismatches. And I think that this is going to become a strength for this team. And you can rely on your pass rush at the very least. And as well as the fact that Bradley Chubb is very good against the run. I've seen that and his tape is good. His college stats are good. Everything is good. He's a beast. His Numbers are there at the Combine. Bradley Chubb's done nothing but help his stock throughout this whole process, and I think the Browns would be foolish if they passed up on him at number four. I don't think anybody in the secondary for this class is worth taking at number four, and that would be their other need. And if you reach for number four for any of these guys, I think it might be a little too much, but then again, it's really kind of just right there for them because they already got their guy at quarterback, and they might have that pressing of a need that they rather go for a guy right there or maybe even trade back a spot or two and realize that they got a guy like, I don't know, Minka Fitzpatrick or Derwin James or someone that's there at six or seven or something and they move back a little bit. I can see them doing something like that with number four as well. But uh, Corbin, who do you got at number four to the Browns? Yeah, I think that if the Browns were to take a quarterback at number one and Barkley was off the board, even if Barkley was there, I think there's still some discussion to have with Bradley Chubb just because, like you said, being able to pair him with Miles Garrett and let them rush off of opposite ends, that's something that would be really scary going down the line in the future in the NFL. One of the most scary one-two pass rushers that I think there would be, besides with also yeah. the Chargers with Joey Bosa and... Um, Not other, that prolific. Yeah. Melvin Ingram. <laughs> yeah, Melvin Ingram, thank you. Um, but since in my mock draft I have them going with Barkley at number one, they still need a quarterback. 
there's been some reports that their new GM, John Dorsey, there's been some reports that he really values hand size and that he's looking for a quarterback with at least 11-inch hands, which Josh Allen's the only one of the top quarterbacks that fits that category. And I think that Josh Allen's someone who he's used to playing in the cold. He's someone who would be able to sit behind Tyrod Taylor for, if it's a year, hopefully not longer than two years, but Josh Allen's really raw, so you just really don't know. But you can learn a lot from Tyrod Taylor about how to just be very efficient in who he passes to, the types of throws that he makes, because he can make every throw that Tyrod can make and more. It's just that he doesn't have the feet, obviously, of Tyrod, but his mechanics as far as throwing the football, his traits, they're everything that you would want in a quarterback. So I think he definitely makes sense with the Browns to kind of groom into that starting quarterback. So I think at number four, it's not a no-brainer, but, and again, this isn't necessarily what I would do at number four. I really like Josh Rosen, but he's had some comments about how he does not want to play with the Browns. And when you're picking that high for your franchise quarterback, you want him to be there. So unless there's like this huge gap between what they think of Rosen and what they think of Allen, I think Allen's the obvious choice for them. Yeah, I see what you're talking about. Um, Christian, who do you got to number five to the Broncos? So uh, I think that Elway is going to address offensive line one more time. Last year they took Garrett Bowles at number 20 from Utah who's kind of a project player. He's really young. He only had one year of Division One football, two years of junior college football. So Quentin Nielsen, uh, he's an amazing offensive lineman from Notre Dame. Uh, people are saying that he's a sure lock to be a starter next year in the pros. So with what you signed Case Keenum to that number, you got to go offensive line. Um, the only thing that I think uh, – Elway could be enamored with Josh Allen uh, at quarterback – I just don't think that he's going to risk it this year. I think they're going to run with Case Keenum one time, see if he he was the real deal last year with the Vikings. And if, if they suck, they're going to be back in this position again next year. Quinn Nielsen addresses their biggest need outside of quarterback, and that is offensive line. They've been really bad since Peyton Manning's last couple of years. So Quinn Nielsen, you lock up a offensive lineman who's going to start for you for the near future. What about you, Perry? I read that he's possibly the best lineman to come in the last decade. But for, wow, that's, that's a big praise. That's what I read from a few people. But to five to the Broncos, I have Josh Rosen, quarterback. Uh, and to be honest, I think this is a very real trade-back scenario as well. I think they realize how much they can get in this draft and the fact that they don't have a pressing need at number five. They signed Case Keenum. I know you said they definitely want to help. That would help out their offensive line a ton, but it's not like they have a gaping hole there to where they need to fill it, and this is a guy that can change everything for them. I think they, you know. I, 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 I mean, interject. I disagree. I think their offensive line is not very good at all. Right. No, I, I totally see what you're saying. I just think Josh Rosen here, since he got passed up in my mock draft by at least the first uh, top four teams, the Broncos realized the kind of contract they gave to Case Keenum. They use him to really groom Josh Rosen, who seems to be the most immature out of any of the really quarterbacks that are in this draft because none of them really have had any immaturity issues. But I still think right here the Broncos take Rosen. Elway tries to make him a, a project pick, and he gives up on Paxton Lynch. What do you think, Corbin? Do you think Josh Rosen's more immature than Baker Mayfield? Definitely. Huh. I, I'd have to uh, hundred percent disagree. Yeah, like Baker Mayfield's I, got a competitive edge, and he's crazy with it. Rosen's 
Rosen literally is like, I'm not playing for a certain team. Like, I'm just not down. And it's okay, but like, is that immature? And that's on top of just... the fact that that's not even the immaturity of issues that people are telling you about. I'm just talking about the fact that he just said that he sounds like he's 12. I wouldn't want that to be the quarterback of my team. Definitely not, because that's more, a guy. More than someone running from the police being drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, regardless, he's he's oh. one of the Broncos where I don't think he starts Christian right away. Nathan. So Josh Rosen, honestly, is going to have a minute to sit behind Case Keenum. I don't even think he starts at the beginning of year two. I think Josh Rosen goes in sometime mid-year two. They ride Case Keenum, and Josh Rosen develops a lot. I don't think Josh Rosen's a play-now kind of player, honestly. I'm not saying so, he can't play now, but I think right now if he goes to the Broncos, it would be a much better situation for him, sitting back there with Elway there and a quarterback that – can play clearly from last year and he can actually learn from Rosen will be much better off than if he goes to the Jets and has to play right now. He's going to freak out. Perry, I agree with you on the pick. I have Josh Rosen going to the Broncos too, but that's about all I agree with you on. I think I think Josh Rosen's a very mature quarterback. He's just someone who is very arrogant, but if you are... I say mature quarterback. I say immature person. Okay, but I I don't think I don't really have any concerns about immaturity with him as a player or as a person. I think that I think that with GMs, it's just Josh Rosen is someone who, to me, comes off as someone who's very he's very smart and he challenges coaches. He's going to challenge GMs, and it's not just with football knowledge; it's just the intellectual side of him that whatever coach and whatever GM drafts him and has to coach him up they're going to have to be an intellectual and he's someone who's going to challenge these people i think that josh rosen is also the most nfl ready of any quarterback i think that he's someone who you can plug in and play right away i think that if i'm the jets and i'm looking for a quarterback to start day one i would i wouldn't think of anyone else besides josh rosen but i think at number five josh rosen and you bring up how he had field he's played most snaps of any of these quarterbacks throw the most touchdowns out of any of these quarterbacks. Okay, that doesn't I'm just mean... i he is that the does, most... That doesn't mean that he's... the oldest and he's... The just because he's the oldest doesn't mean that he's, he's the played most, the most NFL games ready. by far. It doesn't mean that he's, he's the, the most, most NFL ready, though. You look at... No one wants to say Baker Fanfield needs to sit behind someone immature. Everyone said he's ready to go right now. And the only quarterback I've heard that about is Josh Rosen and uh, Allen because of the fact that Allen just slings the ball over the place and he doesn't have the highest well, I think that Rosen's right much more NFL ready right now than Sam Darnold doesn't mean that he's going to be a better quarterback you think than so? Him. yeah I think I don't really think that there's even much of a question with that but one other thing that you talked about was Rosen having those comments saying that he didn't want to play for the Browns well if he's drafted by the Broncos his boss John Elway the GM of the Denver Broncos back when he was going into the draft I believe it was in 1983 the then Baltimore Colts held the first overall pick, and John Elway made it clear that he did not want to play for the Colts. There were different factors that he had, but he said, I just I don't want to play for the Colts. And if he was drafted by the Colts at number one overall, he told them then he was going to sign a baseball contract. He'd already been drafted by the New York Yankees, and he was going to go play baseball. So that worked with him. With Rosen, I don't think that the Browns are seriously considering him at number one overall no. much anyways. I don't know if his yeah. comments really did much, but I don't think he gets drafted by the Browns. Right. I think that the Broncos make a lot of sense for him. Yes, they signed Case Keenum to a two-year deal. Two years, $36 million, $25 million of it guaranteed. So if you draft Rosen, maybe you start Case Keenum this year. If stuff starts to go south during this year and they're not going to make the playoffs, then you might give Rosen a chance this year. And if 
he looks really good, then maybe during the offseason, the Broncos are able to trade Case Keenum for some some combination of draft picks and build through the draft that way. But I think that Rosen makes a ton of sense to the Broncos at number five. So let's move on to number six. Christian, who do you have the Indianapolis Colts selecting? So this is where Chubb falls for me. I think the next four or five picks on my list, they fall into slightly need, but just best player available. Uh, we had talked about this on an earlier podcast that uh, Chubb was possibly better than Miles Garrett was last year in the draft. I read that on Bleacher Report. I can't remember the specific reporter who had reported that. They said that Chubb, yeah, like they said Chubb is possibly better than Miles Garrett was last year. I don't see how you pass up him at number six. I know we're talking about him possibly being a top four pick a couple weeks ago, but with all the quarterbacks now, now that all the quarterbacks are taken. Um, with the first three picks, that's when I start going best player available. So then Saquon, uh, Nielsen, and now Chubb at number six. So I just don't see how you pass up on him. I don't see that if they have another glaring need outside of defensive line that maybe you go Minka Fitzpatrick. But I personally would take Bradley Chubb over Minka Fitzpatrick. So that's why I have him going number six. Yeah, you, I'm just going to slot Minka Fitzpatrick here for a second. But to be honest, Colts are the only one out of any team in this first round that I'm 100% sure are going to trade back. Uh, I've heard that from multiple reports. They've even, you know, released statements, you know, that they're not 100% sure yet, and they're still vetting, and they're still trying their hard, and they see the value deeper in the draft. They are definitely going to move back, so it really doesn't even matter who I have at this pick because I think they, to be honest, are going to fall out of the top 10. I think they'll probably slide probably to rather 11 or 12, depending on who wants to move up between the Dolphins and the Bills for their quarterback. But yeah, that's pretty much it. The Colts are the only team that I'm confident are going to move back on, so it really doesn't matter who I have slotted here because regardless, they're definitely moving back to uh, just kind of get more guys in this draft. They have a lot of holes to fill. There's not one guy that's going to come save this franchise unless Andrew Luck comes back 100% healthy and finds a way to be the Messiah. But other than that, right now you got tons of work to do if you're the Colts so yeah and like that. you mentioned this is a very deep class where at the top of the draft that isn't as many really talented players as they're having in other drafts so it makes sense yeah I think that the Colts are definitely a candidate to move back also I should have mentioned the Denver Broncos I think there's a definitely. really strong possibility that they move back I always said the picks up for seven yeah I think I think the Buffalo Bills make a ton of sense whether they slide up to number five with the Broncos or six to the Colts we know that they are looking to move up they traded their starting left tackle Cordy Glenn to move from 21 to 12 with the Bengals they're trying to, I mean, they could dangle picks 12 and pick 22, their two first-round picks, and see how high they can move up in this draft. And I think that would probably get them around number five, number six. Uh, but for right now, let's assume that the Colts are going to be selecting at number six. And Christian, I'm with you. They're going with Ed Rusher, Bradley Chubb out of NC State, someone who's just a beast in college, and someone who I heard some reports that people think that he might be even better than Miles Garrett was last year. We didn't get to see a full year of Miles Garrett just because he was dealing with different injuries last year, mainly a sprained ankle that took a while for him to recover. I really like Miles Garrett. Uh, the tape that I've seen of Bradley Chubb, he's very impressive too. I don't know if I'd have him quite as high as Miles Garrett in terms of prospect, but He's definitely someone who's going to be a really good pass rusher in this league for a long time, and the Colts have a lot of hills, a lot of holes to fill 
one of them definitely being pass rusher, and I think it just makes perfect sense for them to take Bradley Chubb if they don't trade back. So let's move on to pick number seven, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Christian, who do you think their pick is? So uh, with the Buccaneers, I think that they pick Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, th- this time last year, I was really high on the Bucs. I thought they were a team that was on the cusp of being a playoff team. This uh, year later, however, I think that the Bucks are going to be in limbo for a couple of years. So with that being said, I think that you grab the player that has the most likeliness of being like a transcendent player over time. We got to realize that Minka Fitzpatrick was getting the praise of being just like Nick Saban. So he is a player that has the mental is being mentally compared to Nick Saban and has physically given us a, a top 10 athletic talent. So with that being said, you got to get the player that's going to be the most transcendent over time, and that's Minka Fitzpatrick. The only other player I could see them taking right here is Derwin James for the sole fact that Derwin James would be going into his junior season of college this year. So you have a player that can – if you have two more years of you being bad, that's fine because that would be when Derwin James would be actually coming out of college uh, as a senior. So – Minka Fitzpatrick is the pick that I think is most likely going to happen, but I think Derwin James is a dark horse to get picked higher than Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Um, so I already have Minka Fitzpatrick gone, uh, unless, of course, this Colts trade scenario happens and forces Fitzpatrick down. So I have Derwin James here for exactly the reason you said. Uh, but their secondary is their biggest problem on that entire team. Safety and corner, they got problems at both. So getting uh, Derwin James, who's registered to be a safety and a quarterback, I know Fitzpatrick's played both. He's also played um, you know, part linebacker as well and certain packages. So both of these players, you honestly can line them up anywhere on your defense, and they'd be okay as long as they're not on defensive line. So really, Derwin James comes in, can fill really whatever hole that you need him to fill on on the Buccaneers. Fitzpatrick would kind of do the exactly the same thing. So for me, it's really just whoever's there for them and maybe whoever had a better workout for them. But if they get Fitzpatrick or Derwin James, it's a win in my book. Regardless, they have to address secondary. In my draft right now, they got Derwin James with how it plays out. Corbin, who do you got to the Bucks? Yeah, I agree with Christian again on this one. I have them going with Minka Fitzpatrick out of Alabama. He's someone who... Last year, I also I thought for sure the Bucks were going to end up making the playoffs. The year before, they had just missed it. A lot of exciting young players on that team, but their defense. I know Jameis Winston struggled and he had some injuries that he had to overcome, but their defense needed a lot of work, both with pass rushers and with their secondary. I believe, I think it was at least half of their sacks came from. They're two defensive tackles, um, so they definitely need help with pass rush. But Minka Fitzpatrick is someone who, Christian, like you said, being compared to Nick Saban mentally, that's incredible. Incredibly, any, any coach. Yeah, really. incredibly high praise, yeah. but especially Nick Saban. Exactly, but yeah, any, totally. any coach. But And Minka Fitzpatrick someone you can move around on your secondary, basically play anywhere, whether it's free safety, strong safety. Outside corner, slot corner, linebacker so, in certain packages. Are yeah, entirely yeah, today. yeah. It's he's someone who's very versatile, and for a defense that's so much in flux, you need versatility. So that's that's kind of like the cherry on top of everything that he can do because he's a terrific defensive back. Wherever you play yeah. him, he's a ball hawk and he's going to make plays. But mm-hmm. he's a perfect fit for them at number seven. So let's move on to the Chicago Bears at number eight. Christian, who do you have them taking? <laughs> 
So I have, the, for the same kind of logic that I was talking about Derwin James, I think that the Bears are in a transition period where they're going to be bad for at least the next two years. I think you should get a guy who's very young, very talented, has a lot of, like I said, that, that ability to be a transcendent player. And for me, it's Tremaine Edmonds. He is a guy who's only 19, I don't know if he's, he's turned 20 yet, but the last time we did our podcast, he's only 19 years old. If they're bad for another two years, like I said, he's going to be only 21, 22 years old, going to his third year. The Bears then, in return, would have enough time to improve that roster. So you could have Tremaine Edmonds as, as, as a transcendent player on his rookie contract at 21, 22 years old. So if you're the Bears, you got to pull and make that move. Uh, I don't, I, you could, like I said about the last pick, Derwin James is also a dark horse to get picked here, but. They're, they have more of a need at linebacker than they do at defensive back. And from what he did at Virginia Tech, I I see him getting, like I said, the last four picks are all the the player that I think is, like the big board comes off the big board next. Uh, for me, that's Tremaine Edmonds. What yeah. about you, Perry? For number eight to the Bears, I think it's a really good story here. Uh, Quentin Nelson, he's still on the board for me. The best offensive line lineman in this draft, what I read today, of course, honestly, I don't remember who it was from. Said it might have been the best offensive lineman in the last decade, which is huge praise, of course. Uh, but yeah, I, it's because uh, the Bears, they have the offensive line coach as their brand new offensive line coach, was the offensive line coach at Notre Dame last year, was Quentin Nelson's coach, uh, as well as Michael McGlinchey. He was their coach, his, his coach as well. I think this is just a great story. They need, I know that it's going to fit Coach Nagy's new offense. He wants to get just a bulldozer there to really clear up that space for Jordan Howard and protect Trebinsky since they're giving him the keys. And just like you said, Christian, it's going to be a mess for the next year, maybe two, and they're going to be somewhat bad, but they're going to be taking strides and they're going to have to fill holes as they go. New coaching staff, brighter days for Chicago for sure. Uh, for me, it's just Quentin Nelson. You can't go wrong when you're picking just an anchor for your offensive line when everyone is so high on him and he is going to be reuniting with his coach from college. Seems like a perfect story. So I'm going Nelson at eight. Yeah, I have Quentin Nelson going number eight to the Bears too. I didn't even know that about his yeah. coach going to the Bears. But Reunited and it <laughs> feels so good. I'm surprised Corbin let me finish that whole night. I was going to let you oh, sing the whole song. <laughs> but... Yeah, it, <laughs> it makes a ton of sense. Quentin Nelson going to the Bears at number eight. If he's available at number eight, I think the Bears have to be thrilled because yeah. they need a lot of help on that offensive line. They made a lot of moves this offseason that kind of makes you feel like they're just trying to not be patient for this rebuild and take the next few years. I mean, they signed Allen Robinson. They signed tight end Trey Burton. They signed wide receiver Taylor Gabriel to a four-year contract. So they're making moves. They're giving Mitchell Trubisky some weapons to throw to. It's just now, obviously, he needs to be able to be protected. And they have some players there. They got Josh Sitton, who's getting a little bit older, but he can obviously still play. But they just need to get some depth and get some actual talent on that offensive line. And yeah. Quentin Nelson, like you said, one of the best prospects offensive line prospects to come out in recent memory so definitely a good one that the bears would get at number eight let's move on to number nine christian who do you have the 49ers selecting so i've said his name the last three times now but derwin james <laughs> i <laughs> don't see him going past here honestly he for all these teams that are really bad a lot of them have glaring needs at defense and he's a guy that can come in and play 
like you said, safety and cornerback. So you can move him around all four of those defensive back positions, and he can be a Band-Aid or a Swiss Army knife to whatever you need him to do. The 49ers, with Reuben Foster probably never playing football ever again, um, depending on how good his lawyer is, uh, they're going to need more help on defense. So Derwin James is, like, for all the reasons I said in the past couple picks, he's young, he's talented, he's one of the best recruits that Florida State – one of the, in terms of talent, one of the highest recruits Florida State has had in years. Um, you got to go with him. They have made a lot of moves to put weapons around Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's all all said, all good and done. But their defense has a lot of needs, and if they spend their first round pick going with another offensive player, I think that they're going to be struggling to win some games. Yes, they'll be putting the ball in the end zone, but they're going to be giving it right back on the defensive end. So they need to start doing right by the last three years of picking defensive linemen and finally help out that defensive backfield with Derwin James. What about you, Perry? Uh, 49ers, I love their signing with Richard Sherman with the kind of contract that they worked out with him with his incentives and everything like that. But just the fact that they have such a long, not very quick cornerback, but such a long and smart cornerback that can control the pace of the game and really use his body Denzel Ward's kind of the opposite. He's extremely quick. He honestly is a little bit undersized. Denzel Ward from cornerback from Ohio State. A little bit undersized, but it's it's okay because he makes up with it with quickness and speed and really tough hands when it comes to fighting for the ball. I was watching some tape on him, actually. I saw someone retweet a few-minute video from him. I was watching it. He's a ball hawk. He's extremely quick, and he uh, is coming from Conley and all them, you know, the Ohio State boys that came in right now, and he's really learned from them. He was overshot because he was under them for a year and pretty much filled in for their role and shined just as much and he deserves a top 10 pick uh, number 9 to the 49ers and I think him and Richard Sherman improved that um, secondary a lot yeah I really like the thought of Denzel Ward at number 9 to the Niners I think that this is another possible tradeback scenario yeah it, it definitely is the Niners I think at number 9 they want to select someone on, on offense just because of that huge contract they gave to Garoppolo to try to give him some weapons. It's just at number nine, there's no receivers, no tight ends, no running back. You would consider taking number nine overall. So if there's a good trade that comes up for them to be able to move back and then get some offensive weapons, I think they definitely do it. But for the purposes of this mock draft, we'll say that they're going to be selecting number nine overall. And Christian, you brought up Mason Foster and how Unless he, or Reuben Foster, sorry. I was thinking Mason Rudolph for some (laughs) reason. Uh, But Reuben Foster, and yeah, I think John Lynch, the 49ers GM, he said we're going to wait for the whole process to play out, but if he's found guilty of assaulting his girlfriend, then he's not playing on our roster again. I'm paraphrasing, I don't know what the exact words were, but that's what he was saying. So I think that Reuben Foster is, I don't see how he isn't found guilty, but Regardless, they're not going to know the results of everything that's going on in time for the draft, but just don't wait. Pick a linebacker, and if he's found not guilty, then you have an embarrassment of riches at linebacker. So I'm going with Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker from Virginia Tech at number nine overall. He's someone, I believe he's only 20 years old, so someone who's very young and um, can still grow a lot. Someone who played really well while at Virginia Tech, and I think that he's going to be able to make a name for himself in the NFL, someone who's going to be able to contribute to a very young Niners team and uh, just help them build. And I think next year, 
playoffs are not only a possibility but very likely. Um, I mean, you got the you got the Rams who you're not better than. That's no, but sure, I think but it's a wild, card. a wild card. Yeah, for sure. yeah, definitely. Um, so number ten, Christian, who you got to the Raiders? So this player hasn't changed. I, I have to imagine he probably didn't change on y'all's list. Ra- uh, Raquan Smith out of Georgia. He's the best side to side line middle linebacker in this class. He's fast. He hit. He hits hard. He'll make a over. 100, 200 tackles for your team a year. He's an amazing linebacker, and that's the biggest need for the Oakland Raiders. So I'm not going to reiterate what I said the last two podcasts. Roquan Smith, it's a lock. I'll bet anybody money that this is where they where he goes at number 10. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to waste anybody's time talking about Roquan Smith also. He's a sideline to sign back, a sideline to sign line linebacker. He's got extreme speed and power. He's amazing. So he's a John Gruden kind of player. Raiders, number 10, he's been that way on all of our mock drafts and it doesn't change. So I got him there still. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I got Roquan Smith from Georgia, number 10 of the Raiders. Linebackers, their biggest position of need, like you said, sideline to sideline type linebacker and just someone who's going to make an impact right from day one and be a great player for the Raiders and really help their defense, which needs a lot of help. And yeah. I think, is that the yeah, first I player? I see how he doesn't lead their team in tackles next year. Yeah, yeah. is that the... Just, just straight up solo tackles is that the first pick that we all agreed on the play? yes definitely. i think so yeah. yeah awesome all right so let's move on to number 11 miami dolphins christian who do you think they pick so the dolphins were a team this time last year i don't know if Tannehill was hurt this time last year but that i was really really excited about heading into the season i thought the dolphins with uh Tannehill and jhi and jarvis landry they were just Jesus Christ, like that was a. St- I think that could have been the Patriots, honestly, at this time last year. But now two of those players aren't even on the Dolphins anymore, and Tannehill's knee is like electrical. So I think that they select Josh Allen, number 11, quarterback out of Wyoming. You have signed Tannehill to this massive deal. You're at least going to ride him out um, one more year on that deal. Um, so, with that being said, now is where you get the, the project quarterback. Tannehill was pretty good while he was healthy. We'll see if he's anything like he was after that knee injury this year. But with that said, Josh Allen has so much potential. He has such a high ceiling. And at number 11, I think this is where you snag him at. You snag that project quarterback with literal monster-sized hand and a WMD for arm. You, I, I, honest to God, see a team reaching in the top 10 and probably getting Josh Allen, but if one of those teams doesn't reach, num- I don't see him going past number 11 because like we I talked about in an earlier podcast, uh, Baker Mayfield is being linked to the Dolphins at number 11 back when we thought that Baker Mayfield wasn't a top 10 pick. So I think whether it's Josh Allen or if Baker Mayfield falls, that the Dolphins get a quarterback at number 11. Yeah, I think the Dolphins are, defi- are definitely a possible trade-up scenario if they're going to go for their guy quarterback. I don't think they wait for this crazy top 10 of this draft because of how everything is floating around right now and how top-heavy it is with quarterbacks. All of a sudden, you're sitting there at 11. You think you're going to be sitting there waiting for a guy. Who knows? Maybe four or five guys are picked quarterback-wise in the top 10. With how crazy these teams are and how many people are trying to move up right now, people are trying to leapfrog each other. People are going to be over-picking, at least for, you know, we had Baker Mayfield at number three. I know that none of us had Baker Mayfield at three or anywhere close to our top 
five, you know, in their last mock drafts, but because of everything that's going on right now, that's kind of just how it's, it's, it's really shaken out. So for the Dolphins, they're going to have to move up for me if they're happy with their guy. I don't, I haven't heard anything about Josh Allen to the Dolphins. It doesn't seem like an Adam Gase kind of player. He actually, Adam Gase, their, he, their coach really loves Tannehill. They started making some serious chemistry before he went down, but it's really hard to even, give any analysis for that because it's such a small sample size with how much Tannehill sat. So we'll see if he's even the same player anymore. I think the Dolphins wait on a quarterback because I don't think they've abandoned ship on Tannehill yet. And at 11, I think they go with Tremaine Edmonds. He's still on my um, board right now, and he's going to bolster this defense a ton with Alec Ogletree, um, you know, with them him getting him over here and Tremaine Edmonds. It's going to add a lot more speed a lot more power to this uh, athleticism, really, because Tremaine Edmonds might be one of, one of, if not the most athletic guys in this draft, just when it comes to straight intangibles, and he's crazy. So I'd love to see him on the Dolphins. That's a team that just lost Sue, and their defense isn't awful, but it's not very good, and they definitely have a lot of work to do, and I think Edmonds would be a guy for their future. So, Yeah, I have the Dolphins going with Vita Vea, defensive tackle out of Washington. He's someone who really skyrocketed up draft boards, especially after the Combine. Um, but it was funny, I was reading an article on Bleacher Report talking about the Dolphins and all the needs that they've created for themselves with letting Jarvis Landry go, letting Ndamukong Sue go, who Vita Vea would essentially take his role on the defense if he were drafted by them. And it said something about how, well, they took all this talent away because of all of these, quote, character issues, but at least... Even though they won't be as talented, at least now they have players that when you tell them to do something, they'll make sure to say yes, sir, and no, sir. So <laughs> at least they got that going for them. But uh, yeah, Vita Vea, he makes sense. Um, be able to fill in for Ndamukong Su, like I said. I really like Vita Vea as a prospect. I think he's going to be a really good D-tackle in this league. And uh, it is the first piece in what's going to be a long rebuilding process for the Miami Dolphins. Let's move on to number 12, Buffalo Bills, who they got this pick from the Cincinnati Bengals when they traded their starting left tackle, Cordy Glenn, to them. So, Christian, who do you have the Buffalo Bills selecting? So, with uh, with my line of thinking, uh, I originally thought they would trade up for a quarterback, but with all the quarterbacks being selected, I feel like they kind of... They kind of get chicken chicken shit for, and uh, kind of bail on getting a quarterback at 12. So I think that they go with Denzel Ward. They have a need at defensive back. With where they play uh, in Buffalo, part of the year, people aren't going to be throwing on them because of the weather. But I still think that given how good a Denzel Ward is, he's a top 10 player that in my mock, he just keeps having to fall out of the top 10. So if you're one of those teams that you were going to get a quarterback, but you kind of don't want to reach at your pick go with the best player available and in my mock draft that's Denzel Ward he like Perry said earlier he was privy to sitting behind two amazing cornerbacks at Ohio State um Marshawn Lattimore being the best one of the two in my opinion but he has learned from some amazing players throughout his whole time at Ohio State and you want to get a guy like that a guy who's not only proven it himself but he's been around some some greats so Denzel Ward at 12 to the Buffalo Bills. What about you, Perry? 12, I have a possible trade-up scenario because the Bills do have two first-round yeah. picks, and they did make this move. I think when you have that kind of capital and this kind of need at your team, you're going to go and pick your guy. I think it's how it's going to go. But in my mock draft, 
I'm not going to make that trade right now. I honestly think they get their guy anyways here. I think the Bills get extremely lucky. In my mock, they get Josh Allen, quarterback, Wyoming, at number 12. Uh, I think, honestly, they freak out, think that Josh Allen's going to get picked earlier than he probably is. He might, actually, just because of what we said, the upside. I think the Bills trade up possibly to the Colts position and try and grab Josh Allen. And that will probably be where I think he's going to become a Bill regardless. But right here, I think they get lucky and he falls to them at 12. Uh, Corbin, and who do you have to the Buffalo Bills for number 12? Yeah, I got a uh, wide receiver, Calvin Ridley, going to them, and I believe I had him going to them in my last mock draft, and you guys both thought that I was too high for him. I just think, yeah, the Bills, they need a quarterback, but if everything stays how it is, I don't think they're going to... There won't be a quarterback worth selecting at number 12. Doesn't mean that they couldn't maybe select Mason Rudolph, maybe Lamar Jackson too, which could make some sense there, but I just think maybe build get some weapons for your eventual quarterback to be able to throw to and I think that Calvin Ridley he's the best wide receiver in this draft and he makes sense for them at number 12 it's disappointing for them that they weren't able to get their quarterback because that's why they traded their starting left tackle but they still get a really good player in Calvin Ridley at number 12 so let's move on to number 13 the Washington Redskins Christian who's your pick so this player snuck into my last mock draft. He didn't make it on my first mock draft. But Jerry Alexander from Louisville, he's a guy that the more that I watch and the more that I hear about him, I really like what I see in here. He is a late riser in this draft. He made a lot of heads turn at the combine, and not with his numbers, but with his, with his interviews and his game tape, he was able to rise up from the second round pick to now creeping into a lot of these uh, top 15 mock drafts. So the Redskins have a need uh, defensive back after that trade with Alex Smith. I know a lot of players were really pissed about, uh, I think it was Kendall Fuller is his name. Uh, I know his last name's Fuller. Yeah, yeah. People were really pissed. They thought he was one of the better young talents on their team. He has a surprisingly low cap hit too for their team. Um, but Jerry Alexander is a guy who can come in and fill that fill that slot in right away. From everything that I've, like I said, everything that I've heard, he really, really excites me, and I think that he's really going to excite the Washington Redskins too. So, at number thirteen, Jerry Alexander from Louisville. I'm, I'm pretty sure he had like a four point three forty. He's definitely yeah, the fastest something. corner out of anybody. Yeah, like, like he really impressed with his uh, combine interviews. Like to- totally agree. I'm just saying, yeah. Up, he impressed me. Totally agree. They're grabbing a, a speedster. And I know, uh, like you said, his tape is really good. Uh, I have him just leading off my second round way down there just because of how it falls out to corners. But for me, the Redskins at number 13, I got Vita Vea, defensive tackle from Washington. They just have a serious need at a run stopper. They're not extremely good at the run. They're better off the edge when it comes to adding pressure, when it comes to getting something going up the middle and getting pressure to the quarterback. It's really been a lack for the Washington Redskins. So I think Vita Vea, who was the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year last year, and is just an absolute tank, comes and fills that role. And really, I think every time I look at him, I think of Vince Woolfork. That's what I think. And I know it's... A tough comparison to make because of He's what a, much faster. What a, yeah, of course. They're not exact players. And, of course, the kind of career that Wolfork had, you don't want to compare him and just give someone that title. But Vita Vea is just a tank, and he can move very well for his size. And he clearly shows how strong he is with how many reps he put up. So Vita Vea creeps up into the top 15 and goes to the Redskins and goes to help their 
uh, run stop. Yeah, for me, the Washington Redskins safety, Derwin James, well, defensive back because he can play pretty much any position in the secondary. Yeah, I think he fits in really nicely for them after them trading Kendall Fuller to the Chiefs in the Alex Smith trade. So uh, it's just a, it's a perfect fit for them being able to make up for what they lost and, um, yeah, just fits in nicely for them. So let's move on to number 14. My team, the team that I am a part team. owner in. Yes. The Green Bay Corbins. <laughs> yes, we, we're working on switching that name as we speak. Apparently, Rodgers just bought the Packers, so now Rodgers owns the team he bought, that he plays for. He bought That's the Bucks. Why, no, I'm just kidding. But Corbin owns Aaron Rodgers, so in essence, he owns the Packers. I wish. In this cycle of life, Corbin now owns Rodgers, <laughs> who owns the Bucks, who owns... I'm just totally kidding. Yes. So, yeah. Let's, let's hear it, Corbin. We got a... Oh, am I going first on this yeah, one? Yeah, it's your team, Corbin. It's all you. <laughs> okay, so I have the Packers, and I believe in my first two mock drafts, so the first one I had them getting cornerback Josh Jackson out of Iowa. Last mock draft I had them going with wide receiver Cortland Sutton out of SMU. In this mock draft, I have cornerback Denzel Ward following them at number 14. Um, I think that the Packers, they... They have a lot of holes, especially on defense and that secondary losing safety Morgan Burnett. There's a need for a safety. Derwin James would be a great fit there, but he goes off one pick before the Packers select. But Denzel Ward's a pretty good consolation prize. He's undoubtedly the best cornerback in this draft. He's someone who's a ball hawk. This past year at Ohio State, Denzel Ward allowed 20 total completions for the entire season and on top of that he allowed a passer rating of 56.0 not completion percentage passer rating of 56.0 this year which that's that's really good so if the Packers are lucky enough to have Denzel Ward still on the board when they're available he's a perfect fit for them someone that makes a ton of sense and I'd be shocked if he's available unless someone like Bradley Chubb, who I saw in one mock draft on Bleacher Report and had him falling all the way to 14. There's no way that's happening. So anyone in any prospect in the realm of actual possibility of falling, I think that they would just have to be pinching themselves if Denzel Ward's available for them. Christian, who do you have the Packers selecting? So I don't mean to go in on your team right now, Corbin, but the Packers, since Clay Matthews' first couple years, has been really Mm -hmm. missing a transcendent fearful defensive player to be honest the last couple years they've been a little bit of a joke to me um especially when the seahawks beat them in the playoffs and ha ha clinton dicks can we can we please not relive that i don't understand how that 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 one play looked like some six-year-old backyard football play i know i know back to focus um so they've been missing uh, they have Aaron Rodgers on the, off, on the offense. They need a star on defense. Marcus Davenport from UTSA is a very raw Jadavion Clowney, in my opinion. He has the same metrics. He plays the same way. I think that they should draft Marcus Davenport at 14. He's so very raw. I think the Packers are honestly going to suck next year. I'm sorry, Corbin. I think the Packers suck next year. You get a player that needs time on the field to get to his maximum potential. Marcus Davenport is one of those players. He super, has such an amazing upside, but he comes out of a small school and he needs more time to develop. I think that he is the perfect choice for them. He could develop into being their star defensive player. 
And at number 14, they're going to look back on this and be like, Jesus Christ, how do people not... When they do like the Bleach Report redrafts, I think Marcus Davenport's going to be a top five pick in those redrafts. Wow, it's definitely a lot of praise for him. But I, I, I like what you're saying. I mean, he is coming from a smaller school, doesn't get the same kind of praise as some of these other guys and you're right he is very raw he's got a lot another year or two ahead of him before he really comes into his own but you really you draft here to think about you know a guy that's going to help you for years to come not just come in here and help you this year so you know davenport especially with a class that doesn't have a ton of edge rush and at least in talent he gets very lucky this year on a year that i said is extremely consistent throughout and very bulky when it comes to talent in round set two three and four when it comes to edge rush there isn't a lot of talent in round one there's not a lot of edge rushers here so marcus davenport you get to just see his raw athleticism and say you know what i think this is our best chance at anybody in the draft but yeah i don't have him going quite yet for the packers i have joshua jackson i like what you said with denzel ward corbin but denzel ward's just too much of a talent to slide to this party if packers want any part of denzel ward they're gonna have to trade up which is something that i don't think is out of the realm of possibility yeah they, i think they've said that I, yeah i think they're definitely considering it they I think they really realize the kind of holes that they have on their defense there's not one chance in this world the packers use this pick on offense i think we can all agree on that this is a defensive pick that they I need because there is no. I just don't. I, I just don't see a receiver that's here uh, unless they plan on moving back to you know maybe take yeah. Portland Sutton. But I don't see a receiver here. Um, Davenport would probably be my second pick if I don't go with secondary here. But their secondary is so bad, and every year they keep picking guys, and they're just gonna have to keep doing that until it just gets fixed. So as of right now, you can't just leave a broken problem when Randall went and left to Cleveland. So now you have to get somebody in here and hope that King from last year comes into his own a little bit. But yeah, yeah, Joshua Jackson had a a ton of interceptions uh, for Iowa. I know he's not a very fast cornerback, and that is a definite concern, which is something that I read. But he's so long, and he's he might be the best ball hawk. if you're going to just say ball hawk, because I hear the most interceptions out of any quarterback coming out of this draft right now. So he definitely is going to add a lot of aggression to this defense, uh, regardless of his speed or not. I love his length and athleticism. So, Yeah, I'd actually like to see them maybe consider trading back, too, because you mentioned all the holes that they have on defense. That's how you fill holes, maybe not getting, as, maybe not getting the top-level prospect, but getting rather a few prospects at different positions that are still very talented and can be solid starters. So let's move on to pick number 15, Arizona Cardinals. Christian, who's your pick? So at 15, I think the Arizonas go with Connor Williams, tackle from Texas. They could go quarterback here, but like with my reasoning for the Bills, I think that with the top 11 picks with all the quarterbacks taken, that they're going to hold off until – probably the second round so my thinking is they go offensive line with this pick they go wide receiver with their second round pick and they're going to hold off on quarterback this year with considering how much money that they gave to sam bradford um getting an offensive lineman at this pick not only will help protect the pass rusher and let those receivers get downfield but with david johnson coming off of an injury i would feel much safer having a better offensive line behind a running back coming off of an injury so getting one of those premier offensive linemen at 15 you can't get Quentin Nielsen he's way too good he's gonna get picked way before then but Connor Williams is one of those project offensive tackles that has huge amount of upside so when you're at 15 you're the when you're at 15 you're the Cardinals I think you got to take a shot on a player like Connor Williams who could be a, a pro bowl tackle just depends on how he develops so 
that's my pick at number 15. What about you, Perry? I'm in complete agreement with the order of their picks. You said they take offensive tackle and then wide receiver round two. I have them taking offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey from Notre Dame right here at number 15. And in the second round, uh, I know we're not talking too much on it, but I have them taking James Washington, wide receiver, Um but yeah, so for 15 Cardinals, they take Mike McGlinchey tackle. Uh, I agree with you in regards to, I like Connor Williams more than I like Mike McGlinchey, but just like we're talking right now, this isn't what we would do ourselves. This is what we think is really going to happen. What I've been reading this week in particular is that Mike McGlinchey starting to shoot up draft boards a little bit. Um, some, a lot of teams are starting to view him as the number one offensive tackle in this draft. Of course, Quentin Nelson is a guard. So they're starting to look, it's really up between Connor Williams and him. If I'm a GM right now, I think I take Connor Williams for myself. That's what I'm saying. I have actually had him above McClincy in the last two mock drafts of myself. But just like I said, all the reports I'm reading, I'm not going to make a pick on my mock draft because it's something that I would do or I'd be playing Madden right now. So, uh, yeah, the Cardinals go Mike McGlinchey. And just like you said, they have a, a need at tackle. They've went out and signed a couple guards to help with their depth there. But tackle's still a position of need. They went out and signed two different quarterbacks. I think a third now to bring in just extra depth. I think they can wait off on quarterback because you're right. Too much has happened in the beginning of this first round for them to just get lucky and have their guy fall to them. If they're going to want to go get their guy, which I I think is Maker, or sorry, Baker Mayfield. They're going to definitely have to trade up for him and give up a lot of assets. But I think they kind of stay put, take a safe pick. And like you said, with David Johnson coming back, adding another offensive tackle in the mix is only going to help. Yeah, I think that offensive tackle is definitely very intriguing for them, especially with Sam Bradford being their quarterback for at least next year and his knees that you just don't know how long they're going to last in any season. But also, Sam Bradford is only on a one-year deal, so I think they could be looking for their quarterback of the future, and Lamar Jackson makes sense for them, mm-hmm. being able to groom him. Maybe you give him the whole year to sit behind Bradford. I think the Cardinals are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this upcoming year. Even so, with David Johnson coming back? Yeah, just because they, they're losing a lot, especially with um, the loss of Carson Palmer, Sam Bradford replacing him. And it's not like Palmer was a terrific quarterback last year, but they also lose Tyron Matthew on the defense, which I think is going to be a big hit for them. Yeah. I just, I think they're really going to struggle. Larry Fitzgerald. I know he had a terrific year last year, but yeah. I mean, it seems like we've been thinking this for the last few years, but eventually father time will catch up to him unless he just ends on an amazing year and says yeah unless he retires before that happens Uh but eventually it's going to happen and we've been saying that for the last few years each year it's more and more likely that it's going to happen i think this is the year where he at least starts to slow down he's been slowing down a little bit but maybe take a bigger step backwards this year but bringing in Lamar Jackson, like you said Baker Mayfield's someone who they've been connected to but they're just Unless they give up a lot to move up to ahead of the Jets, it seems like, all the way up to number two, they're not getting Baker Mayfield. So Lamar Jackson's a great selection for them, someone who I really like him as a quarterback. I think he can be extremely dangerous moving forward. So it's a great pick for them at number 15. Let's move on to number 16, the Baltimore Ravens. Christian, who's your selection? So I, with all the wide receiver moves that they've, made i still think that they lock up calvin ridley from alabama number six at number 16 calvin ridley 
really the more I don't like Alabama players, but now that I've really sat down and watched film, he is an amazing wide receiver, and I think that with the needs that they have at wide receiver, I know Perry is going to talk about their free agents in just a second, but <laughs> I really think that they still have a need at wide receiver, and Calvin really would fill that hole immediately. I think they actually have some ballers on their practice squad, one of them being Tim White, my former teammate. So maybe they don't need to draft a wide receiver. They can just look close to home. But if they do, Calvin Ridley at 16 from Alabama, got to trust them saving boys to, to do their job in the NFL. So he gets my vote of confidence. What about you, Perry, at number 16? Yeah, I mean, totally. I see what you mean about receiver. It's definitely a need for them, for sure. I know that they were talking about be- being in the – Des Bryant kind of mix, and that's no longer really a thought anymore because they just offered an offer sheet to Willie Sneed, former Saints receiver, which I don't think that they're oh. going to match if they haven't already not no, matched they, it. No, they did not match Yeah, they it, did so not he match will it. So be a Raven. He's officially he a Raven. Um, he goes over there with John Brown from the Cardinals, the speedster over there, and Michael Crabtree, of course. But I still don't think you're crazy here, Christian, at all with picking a receiver. I don't like any three of them. Yeah, no, it's, it's, not like, it's not like they signed their guy. You know, they signed kind of a trio of guys to make up for any kind of production because they might have had the worst receiving core in regards to having a quarterback as good as Flacco and still not being able to do anything. It's just because there's no one there to catch the ball. Mike Wallace is far past the point of playing football. That's why he's gone now. <laughs> and, you know, guys like this, you know, Torrey Smith got ran out of there and stuff like that. It just seems that they need to do a ton of work. And even though they got depth at the position, I still don't think they're confident in getting their guy. So I see what you're saying, Christian, with getting a receiver in the mix at the very least. Uh, for me, I have them taking Lamar Jackson here. Uh, it's... I thought it was going to be the bold pick of the draft, but Corbin already beat me to Lamar Jackson going to the cards. But they both make a lot of sense. Both teams need quarterbacks with Ravens, have a big decision to make with Flacco um, in this offseason coming up. And regardless, this is, I think, their future. Flacco's not the answer for them, and I think they see that. They won their Super Bowl, and they're never going to win another one with Flacco again, and they got to look towards the next step. And they need to groom a new quarterback underneath this coaching staff. And I think Lamar Jackson and their offensive coordinator is used to having speedster kind of guys on past organizations that he's been in. So I think he's something that I read. So he will be able to handle Lamar Jackson, the kind of player that he is. But I think production-wise, Jackson might have the best numbers out of any quarterback in this draft if he gets the opportunity. Yeah, I don't think that's too far-fetched to say that. But number 16, the Ravens. I have them going with edge rusher Harold Landry out of Boston College. I agree with you guys that the wide receivers they got, they're – there are three guys, but none of them can be the guy. So wide receivers, definitely something to consider there. But I think that they also need some help with pass rush. Terrell Suggs is getting older. Who knows how much longer he's going to play. And uh, they could just definitely use some help on their defense with the pass rush. So I think Harold Landry makes sense for them. And uh, it's good pick for them going forward, someone who can make an impact right away this upcoming season so let's move on to the los angeles chargers at number 17 christian who is your pick so i you actually just said said his name harold landry i think that this is the time that they lock up that pass rusher off the edge and he's someone that really excites me for the sole fact that i think that he is underrated i think that in talent wise if he played at Alabama, USC. He'd be talking about a top 10 pick right now, but he's coming out of Boston College. That's why we're talking about this man at 
17 to 25. Harold Landry is a freaking beast, man. This dude whips around the edge, and he has a lot of length at that pass rushing position. And that's what we had talked about as the Rams. What, what do they need? I know we talked about Marcus Davenport falling to them, but I think he goes a lot higher in my mock draft. So you go with Harold Landry, who plays more of an outside linebacker position than a, a DM position, which Marcus Davenport yeah. plays. But he's an amazing talent. With everything that they've done, you you have to go with with, with that kind of player. So yeah, at number 17, I have Harold Landry. Cool. I see what you're talking about. And like I said, Edge Rusher is not the deepest class right here. So guys like Davenport and Landry are really shining this year than maybe in comparison to last when they – would have came in with a slightly deeper class. They look a lot better. Uh, so definitely some serious talent there. For the Chargers, I know that their offensive line is still awful, and they were last in the run last year with Melvin Gordon. That's confusing considering you have, I would say, a top 10 running back in the league with the potential to become better, and you can't put up anything at all. It's because he can't get any holes. So Connor Williams, offensive tackle out of Texas, he is, in my opinion, the best offensive tackle in this draft. But as we said, we're picking in regards to how we think this is actually going to happen. And Mike McGlinchey goes two spots higher for me. And then the Chargers take advantage at number 17 and take Connor Williams, offensive tackle from Texas. Corbin, who do you think they take uh, at 17? I have them going with the linebacker, Sean Evans. They, They have a lot of holes, and I can see them definitely addressing offensive line, but this is an offensive line class that seems to be pretty deep and they could probably address that later on. Like you mentioned, teams really value the rounds two through four in this draft and they could maybe select two offensive linemen in those three rounds. And right now the top, just get a top level middle linebacker, Sean Evans, someone who can come in and fill another void for them. I don't think linebacker is as much of an issue as, offensive line but again just the depth of this they can address that a little bit later go ahead and get a really good linebacker in Rashawn Evans and then go from there so let's move on to number 18 Seattle Seahawks Christian who's your pick so I'm so happy you guys talked about Vita Vea earlier because I think that he he still gives me nightmares and I don't play offensive line anymore (laughs) but Vita Vea he's fast he's big if you see a defensive lineman who doesn't play with gloves on just know that he's a psycho because he plays with his fingers <laughs> taped up and he just bleeds everywhere like he is every single player every single Polynesian player that I've ever played with he he goes along with that he's fucking crazy so at number 18 I have Vita Vea they have a hole everywhere on their defense now because they're rebuilding but Michael Bennett was their was their leader the, at least the past year on defense. And I think that with Vita Vea, you have a chance to lock up someone. I'm not saying that he's better than, than Michael Bennett, but I can definitely see him being better than him down the road. So lock up that player as one of your biggest needs on defense. Their offensive line is horrible. Their receivers are okay, but defensive line is just an abomination. Their two top guys are both not returning next year. One because they traded, one because they're not going to be able to match his offer. So, Vita Vea, defensive tackle at number 18. What about you? And I, uh, sorry to interject. I think that with the Cowboys at the next pick, that they know that they're what they're getting with Vita Vea at 18. Because if they pass up on him, he's going to be a Cowboy. Yeah, no, I agree. I know the Cowboys are looking towards 
defensive tackle help in particular. So that would be a huge fit. Uh, for the Seahawks, just like you said, their offensive line is awful. Honestly, I hate the entire team with the exception of Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, who I like as a coach. But other than that, just awful. I don't see any strengths on that team anymore, and that's so hard to say with how you know reliable the Seahawks have been and how dominant of a force they've been, at least in the last five to six, seven years. Um, Seahawks, Will Hernandez, offensive guard at a UTEP, a guy that is just an absolute animal. I think the third fastest lineman out of this entire class. I think top three in reps, if not number one. Uh, you know, he's strong, he's fast. It's just the same thing kind of as Davenport Christian where he went to a smaller school, so he's kind of fighting an uphill battle. He went to UTEP. Uh, but yeah, out of this entire um, you know offensive line class, besides Quentin Nelson, who gets taken top ten, hundred percent, this is the best offensive guard that there is, in my opinion. He's a he's a mountain of a man. So the Seahawks take advantage. I know they're not used to addressing offensive line. They just hope that the guys that are currently on their team just get better all of a sudden. But you got to add some youth in here and add more competition, add more depth. At some point, you're going to get the right mix of guys. But Will Hernandez seems like a kind of guy that can play right now. I know, Christian, you said this multiple times uh, that you've read that someone said that he's better than Richie Incognito was, is. Uh, Steve Smith, right. uh, senior. You said he was better than Richie Incognito is right now. Right I totally here. I can agree with you on that, too. Will Hernandez is a beast, and he's going to help the Seahawks a ton. Yeah, I have the Seahawks going with the offensive line, too. The Seahawks have spent the least amount of money on offensive line of any team in the NFL for I don't know how many years in a row, but that's horrible. You're doing Russell Wilson a huge disservice. They're, it's not so much that they're hoping that the guys that they have get better, like you said, Perry. It's just they know Russell Wilson's the most mobile quarterback in the league, so they just think, okay, well, you know what? He'll just keep scrambling away from all these pass rushers. Why spend money on the offensive line? But that needs to change eventually. We've seen this past year, past two years, Russell Wilson start to deal with some injuries that um, just it takes a toll on him having to run around that much and right. um, get hit. Even if he isn't getting sacked, he's still getting hit, mm-hmm. pressure in his face when he's throwing the football. So just make your franchise quarterback's life a little bit more easy. Invest in an offensive lineman for him. So for me, it's offensive tackle Connor Williams out of Texas. I think that between Connor Williams and Mike McGlinchey, the offensive tackle out of Notre Dame, it's really close. And I could be wrong. Maybe they go with Mike McGlinchey over Connor Williams. But regardless, either one of those players would be a good fit for the Seahawks just because it would be someone to someone. block a pass rusher for Russell yeah. Wilson so he doesn't have to run as much. Uh-huh. Let's move on to number 19, the Dallas Cowboys. Christian, who's your pick? So, uh, I know this is Perry's team. <laughs> if he could own <laughs> uh, stock in this in this team, he definitely would. Uh, but I, the last couple years, uh, the Cowboys have been known to be the super savvy team in, in getting uh, Jalen Smith. And if Randy Gregory worked out, that would have been a very savvy pick for them too. But I've always known the Cowboys in the, in the past couple of years to be those teams trying to get a deal in the draft, trying to be savvy, trying to get that project player. So at number 19, I think they take Maurice Hurst out of uh, Michigan. His stock dropped because of that heart condition that sent him home from the combine. But if he... Can, if he's legally cleared to play, I don't think that it matters. Uh, it's not like a Chris Bosch type injury where the NFL PA or the NBA PA is like not supporting you playing. Like he, his condition, he can play. And I think with that 
tanking his draft stock a little bit, that the Cowboys are the perfect team to swoop in and get this defensive lineman. I trust defensive linemen from Jim Harbaugh, and I trust defensive linemen from uh, from Michigan. And I, I think I just said the wrong Harbaugh. Um, but I trust Michigan defensive linemen. I think the Cowboys are in the market to get a deal, and at 19, I think they're locking up a player that – not given if his heart condition is never a problem, I think he'd be a fit, top fifteen pick. What about you, Perry? Yeah, I'm same thought. I mean, I got a defensive tackle here. Also, it's a clear need. It's rather defensive tackle or wide receiver. If the Cowboys go anywhere else besides the ta- defensive tackle wide receiver, I will lose my absolute <laughs> shit. And to be honest, I don't even think it's possible. I'll bet you anything right now. They don't go anywhere else besides those two positions. Everything I've read from Cowboys reporters as well pretty much backs that up too. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. It's just Deron Payne for me. I trust defensive tackles out of Alabama. Nick Saban, guys. Um, he's just an absolute beast he seems like a kind of guy with a high motor and just can cause havoc for the pass and the run uh, rush so i know for him it's definitely going to help the cowboys a lot who don't have a very forceful person in defensive tackle they actually have pretty impressive dns now and their defensive line is starting to fill out it's not at the level that they want it to be, but it, the depth is you know, starting to get there, and adding Deron Payne is going to help, at least with defensive tackle, and add to this depth on this line. They're, they're trying to build year in and year out now. So, And he gets to come back to Taco, uh, his former teammate. They'll be reunited. No, Deron Payne went to oh, Alabama. Oh, sorry, that'll be with my guy, Maurice. Yeah, that'll be Maurice. But uh, let's hear from... I'm just myself. Like no, <laughs> Chris, uh, Corbin, who do you think for the boys? The boys, I can't, I can't wait for the Cowboys to take a long snapper number nineteen and yeah, see what not, see what you do. Not Belichick, <laughs> and then carry to tweet playoff bound right after. Yeah, uh, but number nineteen for the Cowboys, I agree. It's got to be either defensive tackle or wide receiver. Maurice Hurst makes sense. Deron Payne also makes sense. I really like Deron Payne. He had. His 10-yard split on the 40-yard dash at the Combine, I believe it was one-hundredth of a second slower than Joey Bosa, so that shows the burst that he has. Um, but for me, after the release of Des Bryant, I think they go wide receiver here, and I think Cortland Sutton makes a lot of sense as someone who can be uh, number one receiver and someone who can play on the outside. He's around six foot four. He has good speed. He's someone who, hopefully for the Cowboys' sake, could form more chemistry with Dak Prescott than Des Bryant could for whatever reason they just didn't work and it was really odd to me because Des Bryant is still I think one of the most physically imposing wide receivers in the league when he's on he's on yeah he's off he's gone he's nowhere to be so hopefully Dak learns how to look for Cortland Sutton when he's throwing the football because Mm. he did not learn how to look for Des Bryant but Cortland Sutton makes a ton of sense for them at number 19 let's move on to number 20 the Detroit Lions. Christian, who's your pick? So this is where I see Gerard Payne going. I, with Matt Patricia, I, this is kind of going away from what I thought earlier and what I think is going to happen, and this is actually kind of a pick of what I want to happen. I want Gerard Payne to get linked up and go to, go to the Lions. Him and Ezekiel and Shaw would be freaking nasty next to each other. Uh, and also to go to a coach that is very, very, very defensive-minded. The Lions have a need at D-tackle since Ndonokin Sue left. So that defensive line isn't bad, but specifically D-tackle, that would be the, the key to really getting that D-line back to the Ndonokin Sue's uh, scary days of their defensive line. I don't see them really going 
Uh, they could use a running back, don't get me wrong, but I know I'm going to make some LSU fans very mad here, but Darius Geis at number 20 is a reach. I think that you can get a much comparable running back at a later round uh, in this draft. So defensive tackle, that's their main need. If it's not Deron Payne, it's, it's got to be Vita Vea if he falls. I don't see them going any, any which way. What about you, Perry? Yeah, um, so for me, I got uh, to the Lions, Marcus Davenport, Edge out of UTSA. I know I want to pick D tackle here for sure because of Matt Patricia and because I can just tell he needs an anchor there in the front of his defensive line. But uh, definitely for, I would say, uh, for a lot of reasons, Marcus Davenport, I think at 20, it's a it's a reach. Uh, it's not a reach. Sorry, he's falling there. I think he could very well go to the Packers. He could very well go to a team because just like I said, there isn't a ton of edge depth here in this draft. So a guy like this who is a lot more raw than a lot of other guys in past years, and he's going to be coming in with a skill set that needs a little bit of work. It's, it's honestly pretty impressive that he's still going to be here to the Lions, and you got a guy like Matt Patricia, so the defensive-minded coach. There's no way he passes up a guy that he can mold like you know Marcus Davenport. So that's going to be a serious pick, uh, consideration for the Lions, and I think it would be a great fit. Yeah, so number 20, Christian, you were talking about how Darius Geis would be a reach. Well, I have the Lions reaching here because I have them going with Darius Geis. Even with LeGarrette Blunt. Yeah, I think LeGarrette Blunt, he's on a one-year, $2 million. Answer, sure. No, yeah. he could be a short-term answer, and he's someone who would... He's going to do well with the Lions this year, but I think just going forward, long-term answer at running back. The Lions haven't had... A, good running back really since Barry Sanders I can't really think of one since him and that's been a long time he retired in 1999 and I'm not saying that Darius Geis is going to be anything close to what Barry Sanders was but he's someone who's a really big physical running back and that's something that Matt Patricia their new head coach he loves that when they signed LeGarrette Blunt. I forgot what his exact quote was but he was really excited and just talking about how this is someone that nobody wants to tackle. He's someone who's going to bounce off of would-be tacklers, and it's going to be very hard to bring him down. And he knows that firsthand from when he was with the Patriots. And Darius Geis is someone who is a similar type running back, someone who's a very violent runner. And even with injuries that he had at LSU last year, he still had a really good year. And I think that with Matt Patricia, someone who really values a physical type runner rather than a more agile type runner, Darius Geis is a perfect fit there and someone who can, it seems like, kind of end the Lions' struggles with trying to find even a competent running back. So definitely makes sense for them at number 20. Let's move on to number 21, the Cincinnati Bengals. Christian, who do you have them selecting? So with... Uh, I know y'all. My prediction, my prediction is Mike McGlinchey. I know y'all had him uh, going earlier in the draft, the tackle from Notre Dame. I, I haven't had him go yet. This is me. Oh, you haven't had him go yet. My bad. I know Perry had him going. Uh, between him and Connor Williams, my personal evaluation, I think Connor Williams is a better offensive tackle. Granted, he has the injury concern, which would concern me if I was a GM. But I think Mike McGlinchey falls to twenty-one to the Bengals after Whitworth left for the Rams. They've offensive line has been exceptionally poo so locking up a Notre Dame guy would be the move for me um just in general I think Notre Dame's kind of turning into that offensive lineman you so to I am starting to trust more and more the offensive lineman coming out of Notre Dame each year uh so I think that 
if they get Mike McGlinchey at 21, beyond the fact that he has proven himself to be maybe in the top 15, top 10 of picks, he is a Notre Dame guy. He's super reliable. And if the Bengals get him at 21, I think they might trend towards the right direction of getting back on track or being a playoff team. What about you, Perry? Uh, for the Bengals, I have Rashawn Evans. I think they need a linebacker, especially with everything that has gone on with Vontez Perfect. And really, the Bengals just need to continue to boast this defense when it comes to adding just pressure to the quarterback and just really everything. I'm just Their offense is okay. I think they're going to jump ship on Andy Dalton pretty soon, bring in at least another guy to try and develop, but that's not who they go first. Uh, they already made their move trading back in the first round, so they picked up an offensive lineman, which was a big need for them. So I just see that as a need for them still because there were so many gaping holes on that team, especially an offensive lineman. But at this point, getting you know Cordy Glenn was it takes off a little bit of pressure for them, and they're able to fill a hole at linebacker with Rashawn Evans. Yeah, the number 21 to the Bengals, even after the trade where they went from 12 to 21 and also picked up the Bills' starting left tackle and Cordy Glenn, they still need a lot of work on that offensive line. And I think someone you brought up earlier, Perry, offensive guard Will Hernandez out of UTEP, makes a lot of sense for them. I really like him too. I think that he obviously helped his stock a lot in the draft combine and he's just going to continue to build on that in the NFL and start to open up eyes and show that he can be a really good offensive lineman in this league going forward and definitely helps the Bengals where they have they need more than just him obviously, but adding him and Cordy Glenn in the same offseason it's a nice coup for the Bengals. So, let's move on to number 22, the Buffalo Bills. Christian, who do you have them selecting? So at 22, this is another guy who has risen up draft boards as of this past couple weeks, and that's DJ Moore from Maryland. He had surprisingly good numbers uh, from being on Maryland. They haven't had a good quarterback. or a, This past year they've had a decent running game, which has helped them out. But he's a guy who comes out of a smaller school in a Power 5 conference. Uh, I know the creator of Under Armour went there, so it's not a super small school, but nonetheless, they're not known for their really, really good players. Um, DJ Moore has the potential to be one of the, if not the best receiver in this class. I don't think he's as sharp as Calvin Ridley, but he has so much potential that when you're the Bills and you are probably going to be in transition for one of the longest. I think they're going to be in the bottom of the NFL next year after getting rid of Tyrod Taylor. I still don't know who, if anyone is going to be, or do have AJ McCarron, so that'll be cute. They'll get him in the top 10 of picks next year. But <laughs> DJ Moore will be fun uh, for whoever um, is playing quarterback for them next year. But at 22, that's a pick that, you really could end up, like like I said, when they do the redraft, he's one of those guys that I think will be much, much higher in the redraft than where he currently is right now. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you. I have DJ Moore here also. Uh, DJ Moore has risen up everybody's draft boards on a lot of draft boards. He's the number one receiver. Some people have Calvin Ridley. Some people have Cortland Sutton. Um, of course, to round off that top five, usually it's Christian Kirk and James Washington, but... I think we all could agree that the Bills need a receiver. 
Zay Jones, I'm pretty sure he was like naked and yeah. peed on someone or something I like that. Yeah, tried, it was, to, tried to jump out of a window. Yeah, it was it, whatever it was. It was absolutely ridiculous. And he's between him and his brother, I think. Yeah, it was a stupid his video that I was saw. Involved or something. On pretty much, do your vetting if you because they drafted him last year. <laughs> so be careful. You're not drafting idiots. I know it's hard to tell. Of course, you know you're getting what you get, but. They're now back in the same boat and still need a receiver. And they went out and signed, or sorry, traded for Kelvin Benjamin last year. Still not enough. They still seriously need receiver help. And if they continue to try and get these B-level guys, it's not going to work out for them, especially when you have a B-level quarterback like A.J. McCarron, who he he can prove me wrong and show me that he's the starter for this team and he's you know going to kill it. But they signed him to backup money and he's coming in here knowing that they're going to get their guy and he's going to be their backup, honestly. And if he gets the chance agent mccarran now has a better chance at buffalo than he did you know with cincinnati but i still think that they go and you know get their guy with josh allen a little bit earlier and now they get dj moore here is going to be their number one receiver kelvin benjamin's that possession receiver that big guy on the outside dj moore fits in perfectly in the slot he's going to be running circles around defenses and you know catching touchdowns out of the slot all year yeah so the buffalo bills at number 22 if I didn't have them selecting Calvin Ridley at number 12 overall, I think they'd definitely go wide receiver. They're going to go wide receiver at one of their two picks that they have. But since they have their wide receiver, and I talked about how they need to address, they need to give weapons for the quarterback that are eventually going to draft. Well, here's where they draft the quarterback. Also, the Patriots are here at number 23, so if they don't take a quarterback at 22, I think this quarterback, Mason Rudolph, there's a good chance he yeah. goes to the Patriots at adds 23. That's a, a lot of pressure there for the Bills now with the pads behind them. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's perfect for them. They get about as good value for him as they can with being as far back in the draft as I think that they can with still being able to get him. And it's the quarterback for the future for them, someone who... Yes, it's a first-round pick that you invest in him, but it's not a high first-round pick. I'm, so I'm a huge Mason Rudolph fan. Yeah, so I, and I think that he can do pretty well in this league. I don't think he's going to be a star, but I think he could be a solid starter. But he's someone where, since it's more of a late first-round pick, mid-to-late first-round pick, if things don't work out for him, it's not as bad as trading up, trading your 12th pick and your 22nd pick to move up into the top 10 pick or top 5 pick, and then if something doesn't happen, like if you get Josh Allen and he's just a complete dud, that's pretty bad. Because I think about the Bills, too, bit. like you got to bring up, I know like they lost three offensive linemen this offseason in regards to trading away Cordy Glenn and having two different offensive linemen retire. They've given, I know they have two first-round two first-round picks, but what if they move up with these two first-round picks and trade them away? They've lost three offensive linemen this year. This Sorry, this offseason. Two to retirement, one because yeah. they traded them away. If they trade both those first-round picks for a higher first-round pick, which is going to be for a quarterback, who's going to block for this quarterback, first off? <laughs> what free agents are left to sign for, for a lineman? So their offensive line, unless they plan on putting together their entire offensive line in rounds two through four, maybe five, which could be a possibility. Like we said, there's tons of depth, but there's a lot of holes on the offensive line. And, you know, if you trade up at this point, if you're the Bills, you know, is that worth it? You know, I think they did this trade with Cordy Glenn because I, th I think they need the flexibility with 12 and 21 also, now that I think about it, or sorry, 12 and 22. 21 and 22, it's a little different, but 12 and 22... 
Now you're talking, you can get a big caliber, caliber guy at 12, maybe a top 10 guy that slips, you know, or at least at 12, you got your, almost your pick of the litter in regards to 21, 22. It's a little bit further down and you still get another first round talent. So if you get your quarterback at 20 something, like you're saying, there's not as much pressure whatsoever than if you've just threw all your chips on the table, you get your guy at five or get your guy, you know, nine or whatever. Yeah. But with that said, you think about the different scenarios. So if they hadn't traded, up to number 12 because they did that thinking that they'd be able to probably package 12 and 22 to move up and get a quarterback. Okay. So at 12, maybe they get, um, Calvin Ridley out of Alabama, but like your scenario and Christian scenario, I think you guys both had them getting DJ Moore at 21. Personally, if I'm a bills fan or in bills management, I'd rather want to have kept Cordy Glenn, someone who can block for my eventual quarterback and then get DJ Moore instead of Calvin Ridley. Um, so from that aspect, it's, I don't know, it's not, not the best situation for them, but they're in the situation that they're in. They, they're, I mean, they're the reason why, yeah, two first world. rounders yeah. is still Something pretty good. World. So it can definitely help the team moving forward. And Mason Rudolph, someone, again, we all think that he'll be at least a good quarterback pair. You're, I think that you're a little higher on him than Christian and me, but I don't, I don't know if he's gonna be a star. But I, I just love yeah. he seems like the most pro, like ready quarterback in regards to his game, and he played in more of a pro style system. So yeah, there's some questions as to if he's not a system quarterback, but we'll see. But let's move on to the New England Patriots from the Los Angeles Rams. This was as part of the Brandon Cooks trade that sent him to the Rams. So. Number 23, Patriots. Christian, who do they select? They select Lamar Jackson, quarterback out of Louisville. So all of the reports that I've been seeing on Bleach Report, Schefter, Rappaport, that the Patriots are super high on Lamar Jackson. And I think that he – originally I had him going at the fringe of the first round, second round. And after all this hype, I think that he ascends himself into the first round and gets picked by the Patriots. Tom Brady – He's old as hell. We all know that, and it's not getting better each day. He gets older as time goes on. So Lamar Jackson is a super young guy. I think this first year having Lamar Jackson behind Tom Brady will kind of like when you have an old dog and you buy like a new puppy, it makes the old dog like act more energetic because he's around the puppy. I feel like that might happen with Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson. You have a guy who's I think half the age of Tom Brady, like legitimately Probably. half of Tom Brady's age, and he's gonna you know, come in there and rile him up and get Tom Brady to act like he's back at 39 again. So I think Lamar Jackson, they're going to go quarterback and he's the best quarterback available. So 23 Lamar Jackson uh, to the Patriots. What about you, Perry? I love the Pats getting a quarterback in your, at this point in your draft. But for me at 23, I think the Patriots move up. I think it's a possible trade up scenario, but if they stay put, of course, 23, the Patriots, they got a serious need to fill with offensive tackle now yeah. after this offseason uh, with Nate Soldier gone. So Colton Miller, offensive tackle at UCLA, a guy that wasn't in a lot of people's first-round mock drafts at first but has now slipped into it because of a good combine and just how athletic he is. So I see him going to the Patriots at number 23, filling a big role for them. Yeah, you mentioned the possibility of them trading up. I think that would make a lot of sense. There's been some reports linking them to Josh Rosen, that would be pretty hard for them to move up. They do have those two first-round picks. I don't know. It depends how much they want them. If I mean, there's scenarios where Josh Rosen... And the second-round pick from the 49ers. Yeah, the so from the Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. trade. So 
there's definitely some scenarios where maybe Rosen falls down to around pick 9, 10, which maybe in that case it's a little bit more feasible that if they really want Rosen, they'd be able to move up and get him. But for this mock draft, they're staying at number 23. And like you said, Perry, huge hole at left tackle for them with Nate Soldier leaving to go play with the New York Giants. So I have them taking offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey out of Notre Dame. He's someone who... I think, again, just based on who you ask, it's either Connor Williams or Mike McGlinchey as the number one offensive tackle in this class. And to get Mike McGlinchey at 23, that's got to be considered a really nice steal for the Patriots. Really, so, really yeah. And he's someone you can plug in. He's definitely NFL ready right now and might not do as great of a job as Nate Soldier from day one, but he's a really promising prospect and someone that the Patriots can feel comfortable having block their franchise quarterbacks blindside, whether it's Tom Brady or whoever they get to eventually be a successor moving forward. So let's move on to pick number 24, Carolina Panthers. Christian, who's your selection? So I have them selecting Josh Jackson out of Iowa. After uh, Josh Norman uh, left to the Washington Redskins, I think they've been void of a really good uh, really high energy number one uh, starting cornerback and I think Josh Jackson who a couple weeks ago we were talking about as the number one cornerback in this class uh, compared to Denzel Ward him him and Denzel Ward be the number one number two I have him right now at number three in terms of cornerbacks he if he falls to number three the Panthers should pick him up he could help them out tremendously they can one of the biggest problems they had last year was defending um they had a really good pass rush and luke keekley did his job on both parts defending and pass rushing but getting a lockdown cornerback was what helped them get to the super bowl so to get back on that plan they need to draft a really good cornerback and josh jackson is that guy so what about you perry uh 24 the panthers i have calvin ridley I uh, I think they get a gift here uh 24 i think he could have went top 10 top 15 with a little bit of a better combine because I really did like his collegiate career and I think he is the best receiver in this draft. I think DJ Moore is the most intriguing receiver in this draft, but I think really is just out of pure raw athleticism and talent. I think he's got it. And him being on that team with Cam Newton is going to be something extremely exciting to watch. And Kelvin Benjamin being gone now and Funch is really taking kind of the number one role there. I like him as their number two, slot him in there. Now they have a need at wide receiver and he can, you know, be a deep threat for him. He can, he is kind of in between a possession receiver and a speed receiver. He kind of does a little bit of everything. So I really like him there. And I think, you know, having Cam Newton gunning you the ball is going to help him a ton. So. Yeah, definitely help him with those deep routes. You mentioned him as somewhat of a gift for the Panthers. I think my selection for them, Edge Marcus Davenport out of That's a UTSA, gift huge gift for them. I think we all can agree that he's someone who has a ton of athleticism. It's just he's really raw. Yeah. I love the idea of him learning from Julius Peppers this upcoming year. Another guy who Peppers six seven around. 270 280 similar in size and i mean you look at the career that julius peppers had just, just last year alone yeah and yeah. i mean still being able to at what 36 37 years old to still Crazy. be able to be a force in this league i think he had double digit sacks last year so just the knowledge that he'll be able to pass on to marcus davenport is going to go a really long way for both the panthers and for davenport individually 
and I do not think that Marcus Davenport could really fall into a better situation than the Panthers at number 24. So I, I really, I really like this pick. I really hope it works out for the Panthers being able to take him at 24. Let's move on to the Tennessee Titans, number 25. Christian, who do you think they select? So I think they reach and they get Malik Jefferson out of Texas. I think that the Titans defense is uh, really missing a very fast, almost like a Roquan Smith type of linebacker. And I think that at 25, the best version of him is uh, Malik Jefferson out of Texas. I remember watching this kid when he was a freshman, and he was tearing it up as an 18-year-old, whatever, All-American out of high school. I think that this guy has a lot more untapped potential. If you look at his body, he's really lengthy, kind of gangly. Yeah, even for his weight. So I think that a couple of years in NFL NFL program will kind of bulk him out at a middle linebacker, but he'll still have that speed that he displayed in college to get side to side and really make a, just be the leading tackler as a middle linebacker. So Malik Jefferson, he's someone that I think will rise in the draft. I think that we'll hear his name sooner than what people are predicting, but 25, Malik Jefferson to the Titans. That's my pick. What about you, Perry? I like that pick. Uh, 25 to the Titans, Harold Landry. Then you have a serious need at edge, and he falls here for me uh, out of Boston College. Just an animal. I actually didn't have him in my first round for the first and second mock draft. I really liked Sam Hubbard more than I liked him, uh, defensive end slash edge out of Ohio State. But I just, as this draft process has gone on, and as I've I actually got to watch a little bit of tape of Harold Landry, I watched a video on him. He's really, really good. He's a monster, and he's got a ton of speed and power. So uh, he seems, honestly, every mock draft I've ever seen this entire offseason has had Harold Landry to the Titans. I don't think anybody disagrees. So uh, that's honestly the only pick that I can say I've seen time and time and time and time again from any person that's covering the NFL in any matter. They've had Harold Landry to the Titans at some point in their mock draft and a lot that I've seen recently. So I wouldn't be surprised that this might be the one that I can guarantee you guys just since I've seen it a hundred times just in the last day at the Titans and they have such a need. But like we, like we said, there's such a lack of depth at edge for this draft. So he could be picked a lot higher than this. Yeah, I think I'm more confident with Baker Mayfield going three than him, uh, Harold Landry falling to, or being selected right at pick I think I'm more 25. confident at Roquan Smith to the Raiders now. Yeah, I think that's about it. pretty yeah. confident too. But yeah, number 25 to the Tennessee Titans. I agree with Christian linebacker Malik Jefferson out of Texas. Been thinking about it. It's really between Malik Jefferson and Leighton Vanderash out of Boise State. The Tennessee Titans lost Avery Williamson when he signed with the New York Jets this offseason. So they're in need of an upgrade at linebacker. Malik Jefferson, physically, you can't really find a better linebacker prospect than him. He had difficulty at Texas when trying to relay coverages and defensive assignments to the rest of his defense, which it's alarming because as a middle linebacker, you're supposed to be the captain of that defense and be able to handle all the signal calling for everything. But if you have a linebacker next to him, that if you run a three, four, for instance, or even a four, three, and you have an outside linebacker take over those roles, just being able to produce and being able to make plays, Malik Jefferson is going to do tons of that in the NFL, and I think that he's a great selection for the Tennessee Titans. So let's move on to number 26, Atlanta Falcons. Christian, who do you think they select? 
So I originally had Orlando Brown, and I think I'm going to switch this. I think I'm going to take Isaiah Wynn out of Georgia. I just I was talking to this one guy. He runs a just a random NCAA page on Twitter, and he and I are both kind of in consensus that Orlando Brown's going to fall to the second round after his combine and pro day workout. Isaiah Wynn, I think, and the only reason why this bothers me is because I really do like game film more than just straight combine and stat numbers but orlando brown's stat numbers were just really horrible there's a lot of concern there isaiah win he's a dog too but orlando brown was that two-time big 12 offensive lineman of the year he has the accolades he has the film so in terms of film orlando brown has the edge but isaiah win is just he, he just impressed me more in this combine process i know i've said this will be the third time i said this maybe in the redraft will be kicking ourselves and we'll talk about Orlando Brown, but Isaiah win number 26 to Atlanta Falcons. They have needs at offensive line and that's, they're, they're a pretty solid team. Maybe defensive line would be the only other uh, place that I would hit defensive tackle, but offensive guard, offensive tackle, that's their biggest need. So what about you, Perry? I got Taven Bryan from defensive okay. tackle from Florida. Uh, he's extremely fast for a defensive tackle, uh, not known as the Vita Vea kind of, player he's kind of the other end of the spectrum fast athletic but still has some beef uh he didn't honestly play to the level that he should have in college what i've been reading from him was something that was interesting was this is the one player that a lot of scouts think he's going to be a lot better pro than he was a collegiate player like by far kind of thing like it's not even going to be a difference his skill set's just going to translate to the nfl a lot better than it did where he was at especially with the position that he was in with the players playing with him regardless he's being considered for a first round talent so clearly he did enough at florida to do so i think maurice hurst with his heart condition i know you said christian it doesn't affect his status with you i have him slipping to the second round now and to be honest this would have been his spot maybe if it wouldn't have been his spot right here to the Falcons I would have put Hurst a little bit higher and had another defensive tackle fall because I think the Falcons still pick defensive tackle regardless but I think he's a good fit I do see him on a ton of mock drafts going to the Falcons at the end right here so another one that I feel pretty confident if you're gonna go with all of our crazy mocks which I wouldn't because you know <laughs> you're not gonna be right if you take all of our opinion and try and Make your crazy conspiracy. We're all just pulling strings here, but I think Taven Bryan is uh Well, no one's going to be 100%, right? But I'm just saying, yeah. Don't put your money on anything that any of us say because we're all pulling strings here week of. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. But, yeah, number 26 to the Falcons. I'm going defensive line as well. They got a defensive tackle, to be more specific. They got to be able to find a replacement for Don Terry Poe and someone to play along with Grady Jarrett on the front line of their defense. For me, it's Deron Payne out of Alabama. I mentioned him earlier how his 10-yard split, one hundredth of a second slower than Joey Bosa, so that really shows the explosiveness for him. Playing in the SEC, same conference as Taven Bryan, playing for a winner year after year with Alabama. I really like what he was able to do in college i really like what he's going to be able to do in the pros especially playing next to grady jarrett so that's my pick for the falcons at number 26 let's move on to 27 the new orleans saints who i know we have a lot of listeners from that area so let's hear christian who do you think the saints select so i think that they select dallas Gobert out of south dakota or out of uh i'm sorry yeah south uh south dakota Dakota. yeah south dakota Um, state South, South Dakota State. Um, so he played 
I want to say it was six total positions there. He played every single wide receiver position, tight end, inline fullback, split back, running back. Like he everywhere that you could possibly put someone his size, they put him. So he, I'm really happy the Saints didn't buy into the scam that is Jimmy Graham at this age and that Corbin uh, overpaid him. <laughs> so they get the chance to get a guy who will produce more than Jimmy Graham will. This, this, I think that Dallas Colbert will produce more than Jimmy Graham. I'll put my money on that. This year? Next year. Yes, I will. If Are you starts, kidding me? If he, starts, if he if starts. He star- if, he's, if he's the starting tight end for the Saints next year, you will have a better year than Jimmy Graham. Facts. No. I think so. Okay. Yes. Uh, well, yes, I, I don't know. I know you're the GM, but I disagree. No, it's just, I mean, even rookie tight ends, you look at even O.J. Howard last year who had all the physical not, traits. Do not use O.J. Howard. He was his quarterback right last there. year. Fitzpatrick on a team that didn't even want O.J. Howard to begin with, that doesn't even have James the position. Winston for most of the year. It was not. It was like maybe half the year. Um, or else Christian went on a little bit better in fantasy. We got... <laughs> yeah, eat a dick. <laughs> we got Gallus, I got Dallas Godair also. I mean, he... The Saints' biggest glaring need is tight end, and they need a big playmaker. It's Drew Brees. He's coming towards the twilight of his career. He needs a big guy there. He needs his Jeremy Shockey back. That's what he needs, and it's bullcrap that he's got Fleener right now, who I, I'm not a fan of at all. I, he's a good backup tight end, but you know he hasn't really had anybody there since Jimmy Graham that's made a big difference, and even with Jimmy Graham there, he needs that Jeremy Shockey kind of guy and have that connection and have that guy that can be there for a decent amount of time and really win them a Super Bowl, I think, to be honest, if they can build this offense the way it is right now, add a tight end in there and just continue to add depth, this is going to be one of the best, if not the best, offenses in the league for yeah. sure. The Rams, I think, you're know, up there, Jaguars in regards to best teams overall because of what a stellar defense they both have. But you're just strictly talking offense. I'm not sure who's much better than the Saints. So then Dallas go there. It's only going to help that. Yeah, I agree with you guys that I need a tight end. I'm just going with Mike Gusecki out of Penn State, which... He's someone who, depending on the different mock drafts you look at, he's gone anywhere from the first round. I've seen him dropping all the way His down to around the third round. Crazy. Yeah, the combine, he tore it up at the combine. And that's why I have him going over Dallas Godare. Godare had great numbers in college. It's just that he was playing at South Dakota State, so playing against a lot lower competition than Mike Gusecki played against. So it's just how do you weigh that stuff? Yeah. And to me... Mike Gusecki had a good enough college career to where when you combine that with what he did at the Combine, I just value him higher than Dallas Godare. So I think the Saints, yeah, they definitely need a tight end, just for me, different tight end than you guys. Let's move on to number 28, Pittsburgh Steelers. Christian, who do you think they select? So this hasn't changed in any of my mock drafts, and I don't. And it's uh, I feel confident the Steelers will pick this guy, Rashawn uh, Evans. Uh, granted, if he is there at 28 from Alabama, this stat I've said like the last five times. They've taken a linebacker in the first four rounds in the last five years, so they're going to go linebacker. Ryan Shazier, I would wouldn't count on him um, in any kind of capacity. I know they just picked up Bud Dupree's fifth year option. He plays outside linebacker. They need more of a middle linebacker presence. So with that said, I don't see how they don't take uh, if, if Rashawn Evans is there. I don't see how they pass up on him. They they lost one of their best linebackers to that probably career-ending injury. Thank God he's able to walk again. But Steelers need that linebacker. They need that that iron curtain linebacker. And I think you got to get an Alabama boy to uh, to get that done. So what about you, Perry? Uh, I mean, I would love to say Rashad Evans here too and agree with you, but he's 
already gone, so they unfortunately miss out on him. But they definitely need linebacker help. Ryan Caesars can't lean on that right now. I got Leighton Vander Esch, regardless of his uh, cervical possible issues with his neck or whatever. Uh, it's clearly not too big of a red flag to where I've seen people completely you know, ditch the thought of Leighton Vanderus in the first round. Kind of like, you know, uh, Maurice Hurst was a lot more alarming than this, for example. And I still see people putting Hurst in the first round. Leighton Vanderus, and, you know, he's one of the better offensive, or, sorry, inside linebackers out of anybody in this draft. He's got crazy athleticism, and he's a guy that developed very late in his life. He's only, he, I think he only started at Boise this last year, and he really had his best year. And so at this point, you're really seeing a guy who hasn't even filled into his own yet. Yeah, for me with the Steelers, I think that... So for me, Rashawn Evans is already gone too. Otherwise, I think he'd make a lot of sense here. For me with the Steelers, it's between Leighton Vander Esch and going with cornerback Josh Jackson out of Iowa just because of the value that you would get. He's someone who you would think would go a lot higher, but just because of how things shaked out, at least in my mock draft, still available. And for me, Steelers need a lot of help in the secondary too. So... I think that they would go with Josh Jackson out of Iowa here. Someone who, not the fastest corner in the world, which, yes, it can be a little bit alarming, but the good news for him is that he is tall and long for a cornerback, so he can use that to make up for his limitations speed-wise. And like you said, Perry, earlier, just probably the best ball hawk in the draft. So someone that is going to be able to create turnovers for them, Yes, they still need to address linebacker, but they can do that further on in the draft. Number 29, Jacksonville Jaguars. Christian, who's their pick? So I had them taking, and I know I mess his name every time, Courtney Sutherland from SMU. Courtland Sutton. Courtland Sutton, as I say. Courtland Sutton. Sutherland, I can't read my handwriting. Sutton. Sutton. (laughs) Sutton. Okay, so... Currently, the Jaguars don't have a wide receiver that is over six feet, two inches tall, and that's Dante Moncrief. So they really are lacking anybody with height at that position. So uh, he is the best position, uh, possession tall wide receiver that I can think of. That's truly a possession wide receiver, and that's what the Jaguars have. To me, the biggest need would be that possession wide receiver. So got to get that guy. I'm going to mess up his name. Courtney Sutton. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's S U T T O N. Sutton. Courtney Sutton. So we're Courtland. Courtland. So we're teaching. We're teaching Christian English today. S S N U wide receiver, the the tall guy. There we go. The Jaguars. They need they need height. Six foot two is not a tall wide no, receiver. No, they, they definitely do. And their receiving core is not, you know, doesn't have a lot of depth with Allen Robinson leaving, you know, Hearns leaving too. So they need to get some guys in there. If it's not the first round, it's definitely going to be within the first top three rounds. They're going to have to grab a guy ASAP. Uh, for me, I think uh, James Daniels, he's a center. He also plays some guard out of Iowa. A name that's really started to rise on some draft boards. He's just a solid offensive lineman, really this at this point in the draft, it's just so deep with this offensive line class that you're kind of just pulling hairs to see who's better than who. It's really just positional fit at that point for me at this point. Uh, so, yeah, it's really just James Daniels here for the Jaguars out of Iowa. Yeah, for me with the Jaguars, you think a lot about their defense and how they do have the best defense in the league, but 
They lost their nickel cornerback, Aaron Colvin, to the Houston Texans over the offseason. So for me, Jared Alexander, who Christian, you had him going, I don't know what the pick was, but it was much higher. Redskins. Yeah, and he, yeah, so that's 13. pick number 13. And he's someone who, on a lot of different mock drafts, has been moving up a lot. And to get a cornerback that good this late, pick number 29, I think it's a perfect match for them, and it just makes their defense even that much scary. And I think more scarier than it was last year because as good as Aaron Colvin was, and he was pretty good, J.R. Alexander should be even better this year. So let's move on to number 30, Minnesota Vikings. Christian, who do you think they select? So I have them taking Will Hernandez out of UTEP. He is, we've talked about in this man, I watched the most of the game where they played Oklahoma last season, and he looked almost as good as Orlando Brown in that Oklahoma game. His hands, I feel like if he hit you in the chest, he could stop your heart. Like, his punch is that strong. <laughs> I don't know how he ended up at that school, honest to God, but the Vikings have very few needs, and offensive linemen is one of them, so I think they go with Willie Hernandez, who is a, who is a starter right off the bat, and is really smart of a move when you consider that they just gave uh, they just gave what twenty six million dollars in the quarterback position was twenty six, twenty eight million dollars, I can't remember. Twenty eight. But when you give that much year. money to a quarterback, going offensive lineman in the draft is usually a pretty good idea. So that's uh, my logic behind that pick. What about you, Perry? For uh, for the Jags? No oh, for, sorry, the, for the Vikings. Vikings. Oh, I'm Vikings. Vikings. I got a, I got Isaiah Wynn, just another kind of just like I said, the end of the first round here. It's just going to go offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. Just really just depends on who you think is better after you get McClinchy and Nelson and Williams out of the way. It's really just a toss-up. I know Hernandez I'm very high on, but he did go to a smaller school. Uh, but Isaiah Wynn, he's a, he plays guard. He also can play tackle. He's extremely versatile. He's from Georgia. Um, so, yeah, he's got a little bit of a knee issue, but you know what offensive lineman doesn't. And so, yeah, I mean, he's just very versatile, can play guard and tackle, so he helps out the Vikings and with whatever kind of need that they have on their offensive line. Yeah, I have the same thought as you guys. They spent $28 million per year over the next three years for Kirk Cousins, fully guaranteed deal. Their offensive line struggled the past few years. They have some good running backs in Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray, who as long as, and there was a report that Cook, I believe he should be ready for the uh, start of the regular yeah. season. Yeah. So definitely secure that offensive line. And for me, I'm going with center Billy Price out of Ohio State. He played offensive guard, I yeah. believe he, it was he, his he first three years. Yes, and then he switched to center. So it's nice to get some versatility there. He won the, I forgot what the college football award is for the best center in college football last year. I think it's the Remington Award. Honestly, not sure. Yeah, and so it's a good selection for them, though, and can definitely bolster the interior of their offensive line, create some holes for the running game to sneak through, and then also obviously protect their franchise quarterback, or at least quarterback for the next three years in Kirk Cousins. Let's move on to number 31, the Patriots' second pick of the first round. Christian, who do you think they select? I think you have them selecting uh, the same guy at 23, but I haven't taken Colt Miller out of UCLA. He's a guy, very talented, will need a little bit of a little bit of work until he's a 100% polished starter, but with Nate Solder leaving, they have to go offensive line very high in the draft. I don't see how they don't. I, I could see them 
doing what Perry talked about and taking an offensive lineman, not necessarily him, but taking an offensive lineman at 23 and then going with quarterback at 31. So Colton Miller, that's the offensive lineman pick. They're going to have to go one quarter, well, one offensive lineman for sure, and then probably one quarterback with those two first-round picks. What about you, Perry? I see where your head's at for sure. And just like you said, uh, I got them taking quarterback here. I have them taking Mason Rudolph, quarterback, Oklahoma State. Uh, it's going to be pretty much Josh McDaniels and Mason Rudolph sometime within the next two years is going to be what it's going to be. And Tom Brady is going to run it out here and Belichick. But at the end of the day, I think the best quarterback to groom underneath Tom Brady is Mason Rudolph. They, I love his game. I think he'd fit extremely well with the Pats. Nothing flashy and he's just got a great arm and pro style kind of play. And I think he's going to learn under Tom Brady and it'd just be a blessing for Rudolph and you know, just a great situation for all in. So I see him going there, but I really see the Patriots combining these picks somehow and, and moving up. I think they got a plan. So, yeah, I think that the Patriots, if there's a quarterback that makes sense on the board at either 23 or 31, or if they move up, I think if they move up, it'd be for a quarterback, but if they stay where they are, they're not going to force anything. And in my mock draft with Mason Rudolph going number 22, right mm -hmm. before their first of their two, first round picks I think they're going to wait to take a quarterback until maybe the second or third round but first round for their second first round pick I have them going with wide receiver getting Christian Kirk out of Texas A&M who he's been kind of rising up draft boards lately and they traded away Brandon Cooks to the Los Angeles Rams so Christian Kirk is mm -hmm. someone who is definitely a speed guy and someone who is electric with the ball in his hands, similar to Brandon Cook. I believe they're similar in size as well, so it makes sense for them. They get him on a rookie deal for the next five years if they pick up an option on yeah. his fifth year, so that could be very exciting to see Tom Brady throw the ball to Christian, Co yeah, Christian Kirk. Cool. So, yeah, makes sense for them. So let's move on to the final pick of the first round, final pick of our final mock draft before the actual draft. Philadelphia Eagles, pick number 32. And I know Christian's upset at me because I'm wasting time and he wants to go to sleep. It's 1.30 in the morning for us, so 3.30 for Christian. Christian, last that's, pick. That's dedication. Philadelphia that's Eagles, yes. We're getting these podcasts yeah. out to you no matter what we got to go through. We're getting them out. No problem, buddy. So I have them <laughs> taking Mike Hughes out of the undisputed, undefeated national champion, UCF. <laughs> After the arrest of Daryl Worthy, uh, Worthy, I don't know how to say, how to say his Worley. name, but yeah, basically that dude was like drunk in their parking lot at the Eagles <laughs> facility, so yeah. I would imagine him not playing for the Eagles next season. Just depends. Well, but they already released they, him. Yeah, they released oh, him. Well, then there and, you go. Yeah. You want to know playing. who signed him? The Raiders signed him actually yesterday <laughs> or two days ago, so. God, for, for the culture of the Raiders, but so they're. <laughs> They're going to have a need at cornerback, at least from a depth perspective, not even necessarily a starting perspective. But Mike Hughes is someone that has risen up draft boards as of lately. I hadn't seen them in the first round outside of this week. And everything that I've been reading about him, I like. I also really like guys out of UCF. I think they are really, really scrappy from what I've seen on film. So I'm really excited that he is in this first round conversation. Now, as an offensive lineman, I'll be honest with you, it's always hard for me to evaluate cornerback so i really don't know exactly what to look for but he definitely seems like a scrappy young man and you, when you're the when you're the super bowl champion there's not a lot of holes that you need to fill at 32 so cornerback they honestly could pick kicker and i think they'll win the super bowl next year <laughs> but 
What about you, Perry? I got a Billy Price. Can play two okay. positions on the offensive line. And I know Corbin just had him going a couple picks earlier. Just a guy that his draft stock got hurt a little bit because he hurt his peck um, in a kind of freak accident in the combine, a freak injury. And so, you know, it kind of hurt him a little bit, but clearly not too much to where none of us think he's going to really be falling out of the first round. And I think that they uh, they come up on him, the Super Bowl champs, find a way to make that offensive line better. So, Yeah, I have the Eagles going with cornerback, just like you, Christian. I have them going with Isaiah Oliver out of Colorado. He's someone who... It's kind of fluctuated on draft boards. I've seen him go in the mid-20s and then fallen out of the first round, but he's someone who definitely has experience playing against quarterbacks that are going to be in the NFL. Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Luke Falk from Washington State, who will be selected in one of the later rounds in the draft for sure. But playing in the Pac-12, it's definitely prepared him for the NFL, and I think that he's had some good years at Colorado. The film speaks for itself. He played pretty well at Colorado, and I think that on this Eagles team, after releasing Daryl Worley because of the ridiculous act that he did, which is perfect for the Raiders, but makes sense for them and will definitely help their defense just solidify itself even more. And I'm not as high on the Eagles as you, Christian, but they're definitely the team to beat. Why would you be high on them? They had the MVP and they won the Super Bowl without him. What MVP? Who who if, won? If who won? Went, they had if a Carson Wentz who, did who not get hurt, he would have been the MVP. Who won the MVP? Tom Brady. If Carson oh, thank Wentz you. Did not get hurt, he would have won the MVP. Who won the Come MVP, Christian? I don't know. Don't you know my thoughts. I, go to USC, Corbin. You know I, what I think the I think the Eagles make the wild card this year. So, <laughs> you, you want to bet some money on that side? I already said it like three podcasts ago. So. I just have to see. But, yeah, thank you guys so much for sticking with us. It's draft week, so we're extremely excited. Uh, definitely tune in on Thursday. Uh, hit us with tons 8, of – 8 p.m. Eastern yeah, time. Yeah, tons of questions. Pacific, anything – What you want to see for your teams to pick, whatever you guys want, hit us with that on Twitter. We'd love to get active with you guys and start all those conversations and, you know, have draft day with us. We'd love to be involved, and we're excited for our first NFL draft day as uh, NFL Unwrapped. And, you know, thank you guys so much for tuning in to our draft edition this week. And Christian for staying up so late and for no – the- Dedication on our three part to get these out shows how much we care about these podcasts and how much uh, it means to us. We're doing it in a car in the middle. (laughs) Well, we are, but you're up at three thirty, so we're both both sacrificing. But yeah, thank you guys so much again. Please check us out on SoundCloud at NFL Unwrapped. If you're not on SoundCloud, please check us out on the Apple Podcast app while you're on there. Please give us a five-star rating or review. Uh, either one is extremely appreciated, guys. Again, it's draft week, so please jump on our Twitter at NFL Unwrapped. Hit us with any kind of questions or comments that you guys have about the week this week or anything else going around the NFL. Please follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. Follow Corbin at CorbinMRPK. Uh, Christian at McGowan75. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much again for tuning in to, NBA, to NFL Unwrap, where we unwrap the hottest takes around the NFL. Any last words, guys? 
No, just thank you guys for staying with us through this entire podcast, and we just, we love doing this stuff. That's why we're giving you a car cast at 1.30 in the morning, just to make sure we get our mock draft in before the actual draft happens, but yeah, just remember to tune into the actual draft Thursday starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. You can see on NFL Network, ESPN, I believe ESPN2 also has it, so you got options, but it's going to be really fun. There's no surefire Oh, this player is going to be selected here. Baker Mayfield seems like the safest pick. Roquan Smith, too. But, yeah, we'll see what happens. Christian, anything to add? I hope you all have a great and amazing day. I'm going to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week. All right. Thank you, guys. Adios.